Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now age of radio What's going on, everybody? We are back. This is episode 166. Do you not know what fucking episode? <laughs> ah, yeah, it's 166 <laughs> of the Dark Windows podcast. My name is Kevin. And I'm Kevin, and uh, yeah, 166, not 166-ish. No, it's 166. It's uh, We're getting there. Uh-huh. We're we approximately 40 episodes away from having to do a very big episode, and we haven't figured out what the fuck that is yet. We got to narrow down to like two. Eh. You know, but... Um, so this is going to be a super special episode because we have uh, probably the best podcast host that we've ever had on the show back again on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you got to butter my you, you got to butter my bread, dude. I'm already here, you know. <laughs> well, it's like shit. That these people, these people, they deserve to have somebody that actually knows what the fuck they're doing on once in a while, you know. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's the blind leading the blind though my man so <laughs> it's gonna be a good episode regardless I mean, they, they listen to our show they, they're pretty familiar with that concept think, so. <laughs> they already know the two blind guys yeah <laughs> now they need you know something else one of us is blind and can't smell so yeah <laughs> that's true he that won is. the fucking lottery <laughs> i'm yeah, well yeah i mean I'm not totally blind but you know i do have glasses do you take them off though no, no, not really. <laughs> I only need mine for driving, and I don't even wear them for that because I fucked them all up. But anyway, um, so this week we're going to do something that we really don't do all that often because we've I think we've only ever covered one other professional athlete on here, and he was a professional wrestler turned biker mm-hmm. slash complete fucking psychopath. Um, but this week we're going to talk about a boxer. And uh, I kind of I wanted to start it off with a quote from another very, very well-known boxer about this guy. And it's a, it's a pretty quick one, thankfully. Uh, quote, Sonny Liston made me look like a Boy Scout. And uh, that was Mike Tyson that said that. Yeah. So we're, <laughs> that'll give you <laughs> some idea what we're getting into. <laughs> it, it, yeah. But he said it with more of a, more of a lisp. Sonny Liston just, made yeah. me look like a Boy Scout. <laughs> yeah. And just for just for reference, I think uh, Liston in his career had, if I remember correctly, thirty eight or thirty nine knockouts with about nineteen or twenty arrests. <laughs> you know, so. Oh, dude, yeah, oh yeah, he got he got arrested like fifty some odd times. I yeah, I didn't have enough time to do all of them. It's insane, <laughs> I just got dude. The big ones. <laughs> Holy shit! So, uh, Sonny Liston was born in either nineteen twenty nine or nineteen thirty one or. The most agreed upon date for the most part is May 8th of 1932. Um, 
uh, that was in uh, St. Francis County, Arkansas. And the reason for the kind of jumbling of dates there is the state of Arkansas didn't require birth certificates until 1966. I was going to say, like, did he grow up like in a place like fucking Vermont where like, hey, you're born in the middle of winter, but we couldn't come out to, you know, report that you were born. So really, possibly, you know, you weren't born until this time. No, he may he may as well have grown up in Arkansas in 1830, how he was treated as a kid. Dude, it was bad. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I mean, yeah, Jim Crow and all that, you know. Jim Crow well, had nothing to do with it. It was. I, uh, it I was, was thinking. I was thinking more of the fact he had uh, twenty four siblings, and his dad used to beat the hell out of all of them. Oh yeah, <laughs> dude. So his father uh, Toby had thirteen kids with his first wife, and then when he met Sonny's mother Helen, they had another twelve. He is the yeah. second youngest of twenty five. He's the twenty fourth of twenty five kids. Gives no meaning to fucking like rabbits. Yeah. Pull the do, fuck man. out. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, if we can pull out of Afghanistan, I mean. Yeah, look how geez. well that turned out. Holy shit. Well, My fair. Old... <laughs> whole bunch of people got fucked there, too. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. So fucking Toby had a half a bushel of kids. I had to do the research there because I was like, I'm pretty sure a bushel's 50. Yeah. Get so it. he could feel the, um, <laughs> he could feel the football team plus the extras i mean he's he's definitely got like a, a full baseball team like an active roster like a you know bring these fuckers oh, on the absolutely. road we had back we got back up. oh yeah that's uh, true because it's like a 20 25 man roster starting he's got the starting nine a backup catcher and a full bullpen so i mean you know yeah what and the hell yeah huh? and that's like four basketball teams plus subs <laughs> you know your your uh, like, your D league too. Yeah. So what's yeah. what's kind of interesting about where he grew up is uh, uh, St. Francis, Arkansas. There's about thirty four thousand people in the county. Um, for being that small, you'd expect yeah, Sonny Liston's probably the only big name to be from that area. Oh no, uh, soul singer Al Green and country singer Charlie Rich were both born in the same county. Oh wow, like pretty yeah. fucking cool, you know? Huh. Um. You sure Al Green didn't have the same daddy? I doubt it. <laughs> never know, dude. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> you hey. never fucking know, but you know. Toby um, could be was was sexually active. I he was sexually overactive. <laughs> There's a difference. Um so like we said, he you know, he he had a, a shitload of siblings. He he grew up on a their family farm. Um they were it was a set they were essentially uh uh like sharecroppers, okay, which yeah. was basically legal slavery. You know, mm-hmm. they grew. He grew up working on a cotton plantation. Um, his mother left when he was pretty young to go to St. Louis, and took most of her kids with her um, because his father Toby was a abusive drunk, like super aggressive. Um, his dad would beat the kids pretty regularly, uh, especially Sonny, uh, because at a young age. Sonny kind of hit it. He kind of hit his growth spurt a little early. So he started getting big young. Yeah. So his dad's like, I got to fucking rein this kid in or I'm going to have a problem. Yeah. Um. So because he was so big, he was forced to work out in the fields. And it's going to sound awful. A lot of the time, his dad forced him to pull the plow while he rode on it because they only had one mule. And he... <laughs> Toby got mad one day and actually beat the mule to death and then was still pissed off and turned his attention and started beating the shit out of Sonny again. 
Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so a little bit yeah. of a temper. How did um, he get the nickname Sonny? That's one thing I never actually you know, I, knew. I, I never really found, I didn't really find anything about that, to be honest. Yeah, like, his real name, his real name is Charles. Um, yeah. But I never came across why or how he actually started getting called Sonny. And yeah, all the, all the research I found, I didn't really, I, I didn't find anything with it really. I mean, probably one of those things like with most of his entire childhood that was just completely lost because there was just, you know, there's so fucking many of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he got, when he got older, he, uh, during an interview, he actually said, quote, the only thing my old man ever gave me was a beating. <laughs> so, um, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So he was like, when he was like 12 or 13 years old, um, he took off, he, he stole a bag of, of, uh, 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 cashews from his cousin, sold them for bus fare and went to St. Louis to live with his mom. So that those are either expensive nuts or bus tickets for cheap. It's hard to, but bus tickets for cheap, hard to say. Um, so he thought life in St. Louis is going to be a little bit better. It really wasn't much better for him. Um, he had a pretty difficult time in school because he wasn't by the time he got there, like being 12 or 13, like we said, he had never learned how to read or write up until then because he wasn't allowed to, he didn't need to know how to do any of that stuff. Um, yeah. So he, he was a worker because of his exactly. size, man. And he also got picked on in school because of his size. Um, I can't fucking make this up. He was six foot tall and 200 pounds, uh, 200 pounds at 16 years old. And kids picked on him because he was so much bigger than them because it, and it's kind of the opposite. Yeah. Of how it should be, where it's like, oh, we're going to pick on the little kid. Yeah. No, we're going to pick on this fucking grown ass man that just happens to yeah. be in math class. Who has 14 inch fists, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like... Fucking special gloves need to be made for this guy because his, yeah. you know, hands are the size of fucking grapefruits. Uh, so, with all that shit kind of going on, he, uh, he I don't want to say obviously, but he didn't finish school. Um, and with being out of school, he starts running the streets and. Making seventh or eighth grade education, something like that. Yeah, somewhere in that neck of the woods. Yeah, um, June 1st, 1950, he was arrested on charges of uh, first degree robbery. Uh, they called it first degree because he had a weapon, and first degree larceny because of the amount that he got away with. After his court hearings, he was sentenced to five years in the Missouri State Penitentiary in Jefferson City. Um, again prison the missouri state pen he's not the only famous person to have ever spent time there and of course because i have fucking adult onset attention deficit disorder or whatever i'm like oh (laughs) who else was there Um, oh cool we're just making shit up now that's cool (laughs) (laughs) so some other notable folks that called this place home were uh charles floyd who justin i'm pretty sure you know who he is yep <laughs> no, he doesn't. Yes, I do. You, do you know who he is? <laughs> smart ass? I, I, no, I was just being a, a smart ass to him because, so, you know, I don't know who the hell he is. It's a pretty boy Floyd. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he was, <laughs> he was he from was that, from, he was from around that, he was from around that area to running liquor and shit. Yeah. <laughs> running liquor, shooting people. You know, no big deal. Fuck it, right? All <laughs> kinds of shit. Yeah, definitely. He'll he'll have his own episode here pretty soon, Fuck I'm sure. It. Yes, I'm excited about that now. Yeah. <laughs> so he was there from 1925 <laughs> to 1929. Um, James Earl Ray, the man that killed Martin Luther King, uh, spent some time there for some minor infractions. 
before he supposedly went on to do what he did. Supposedly, supposedly killed him. Yeah, he's supposedly. I'm but, just gonna yeah. throw supposedly. I'm not a huge con- <laughs> conspiracy theories, but there's a lot of shit that doesn't add up, and the fact that MLK's family was like, "Listen, dude, we know if it was you, you sure as fuck weren't the only one." But anyway, well, the, the thing is, is like with hit like with that is like so coincidental. Like, so MLK gets shot. Okay, RFK gets shot. That was another fucking weird one. And what's his yeah. name is getting out of fucking? Sir, Sir, they, yeah, they let, they let him out, dude. Out. Well, they let him Hinkley's out because out. when the shots were fired, he was on the other side of the room. So yeah, Hinkley's and one out of the, too. One of the shots was later found to basically be a contact level, you know, well, entry wound, and plus, he was on yeah. the other side of the fucking. It was building. the woman. Plus, he also, it was the woman in that polka dot dress, yeah. dude. Well, he also said that he did not. He was so like. Uh, he was so fucked up that he actually goes, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, they get, they yeah. found that he was, like, messed up, like, really, really yeah. bad. Because yeah, you, you have well, to brother, brainwash a Manchurian candidate. Yeah, his yeah. brother had always claimed that he had said he had been hypnotized over a course of time. And when he saw the woman in the polka dot dress, it triggered it. And he basically mm-hmm. didn't remember yeah. doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. MK Ultra shit right there. I mean, in, in JFK. Yeah. You know that that's that's even just as big because I mean, you know, if you, nobody's mm-hmm. ever heard of him though. Well, I mean, did you <laughs> see the vague, video? He's a vague footnote in history. We don't. Yeah, he, was a, I know. I mean, he was a president, I guess, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I know. Yeah, great. Like, yeah. Nothing big happened. Like you know, there wasn't a bunch of missiles in Cuba and shit going. On. Yeah, he didn't bang everything that walked, including like yeah, teenage no. interns at the White House or Marilyn Monroe. He's, he's no, he's he's no Abraham Lincoln that had it. You know, jumps off of the balcony and says six Semper Tyrannis and and all that bullshit. <laughs> six Semper Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. Well, that was uh, that was Venture Brothers, whatever. <laughs> Uh, so there, that also in that prison, there was a pretty large scale riot that took place in 1954 uh, that we could potentially do an episode on. What, what, I, what prison is this? Uh, Missouri, uh, the Missouri State Penitentiary. Oh, because I've got this huge ass book of prison breaks that also covers riots and shit. So that's the one where uh, yeah. they they took over. And what was it? They they killed like uh, oh yeah, they killed like three guards. They yeah, three or four ran guards. the prison for four days or so. And yeah. then but then. There was a guy that got killed down in the hole. Well, it's not because, you know, we don't give the shit away for free. All right. <laughs> um, so sorry. So now while this he's in prison. Ooh. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Like, this is officially where he started fighting. Yes. Yeah. Well, with, with rules and shit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It um, was, it was prison, prison sanctioned fights. Yes. <laughs> So he basically runs into Father Mulcahy here because he, uh, the, the guy is a, a priest by the name of Father Stevens. Who, oh, uh, Father Stevens. He, he saw a lot of potential in this fucking real angry, real big young man um, and recommended that, you know, the best way to kind of exercise your demons is to go beat the living shit out of other, you know, people in jail. But he didn't put it like that. He basically Probably said, not. Oh, come here, Boyle. Yeah. Come here, talk to me. Well, I in a weird way, though, it does it does work because, like, that's how I got into boxing when I was, like, 14. Like, I was getting into trouble, and I was getting picked on. So it was a combination of things, and my mom's like, listen, if you're going to try to take your anger out somewhere, I'd rather you do it here than on your siblings or out on the street or anything like that. 
like I said, I started getting into a little bit of trouble and, you know, I was for my size being 14, I was small. So I would always get bullied and picked on and shit. And I mean, once I hit puberty, I had already been boxing, you know, going through puberty the whole time I was boxing. Oh no. <laughs> and after about a year, after about a year, you know, they go picking on me, dude. I'm not, you know, that once, you, it, once it, you fucking crack a couple of people, man, you know, they get the message usually. And it, it, it kind of gives you that, that little extra discipline that like a yes, lot of people don't yes, necessarily get that or they'll go yeah. to the military and they get it there. But it's, uh, yes. uh some, you, some people need, and more it's the same scenario with Tyson. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the same scenario with Tyson when he was young and meeting, uh, Gusta Mato. like, he was that father figure who disciplined him, who trained him to basically channel his anger in the ring. And that's one of the reasons I think Sonny Liston, they always said, they're like, Sonny Liston, like, he has a style and he's disciplined, but at the same time, he's trying to murder every fucking person that comes in that ring with him. And that was his yeah. whole goal. That's all that effort would knock your face in. He'd go hug you and be like, I love you. Thank you for fighting me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it is so weird to think of somebody being like somebody that's that aggressive for that short of a period of time. And then it's like, I, I hope that we can still be, you know, we can become friends after this. I enjoyed fighting you. But, <laughs> like, the, thing, holy shit, yeah. dude. but the thing is later on in life, as I saw an interview with him, he goes, he goes, I don't want to talk about that guy. That guy was a scared little boy Yeah, that was fighting. He goes, he was just a scared little boy. Yeah. I don't want to talk yeah. about him. He goes, that, you know, that, and that's, that's what makes me. him so dynamic. Yeah. Like there's there was a lot of deep seated stuff. There was a lot to him. And he was kind of like an onion. You just kept peeling back layers as he got older and older. And I think like towards the end, a lot of them personal demons, you know, that he was suppressing. So obviously, you know, he, he started boxing in prison. He was a fucking natural, just like due to his background and the kind of physical labor he was doing. Um, the fact that he was built like a brick shit house didn't hurt anything either. Mm -hmm. Uh and he kind of he learned how to channel all of this other all of his aggression and all of his anger into boxing. And it's when you can focus that much of something into it, it makes you a special kind of fighter. Um, and they, they would they would bring in trainers from outside the prison to work with these guys, because um, obviously you can't have just one dude training all these guys because they're going to split off and beat the shit out of each other in a corner somewhere. And one of the trainers that came in said that he was, uh, uh, quote, the strongest puncher I've ever seen. He could hit the heavy bag so hard that he broke the fittings that held it on the rack. Yeah. That's yep. the fucking strong dude. Yeah. And that's what um, won him a lot of them fights, man. Kind of sounds like um, uh, George Foreman. He Because yeah. Foreman used to, I mean. Same with punching the bag. Look at, oh, Jesus. I mean, well, he, Butterbean's fat ass, dude. I mean, dude could punch like a fucking mule could kick, you know? Yeah. Well, he, Sonny Liston did something that uh, that George Foreman never did. He hit one of his opponents during a, a match in prison so hard, he split his headgear open. Damn, dude. <laughs> Damn. Like, that's that's <laughs> fucking intense. Um, and yeah, they, they had to have specialized... Uh, gloves made for him because uh when he made a fist they were measured at 15 inches around um and Crazy. to this date that is the largest of any heavyweight champions uh, hands <laughs> yeah. and that was back in the 50s uh yeah, it's what, like uh, would you rather take 
would you rather take a baseball to the face or a fucking bowling ball? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like what the uh, Brock Lesnar, his MMA gloves were like what seventeen, something like that. Yeah, that's another big dude. I mean, he, what was it? Uh, what's his name was saying? It was like being hit by a toaster. Yeah, Randy Couture. Yeah, Randy Couture. It's like getting hit with a frying pan. Yeah. It's like no shit, dude, because he's you know six three, two hundred seventy pounds, and you know just fucking hits like a truck. So after after his first few fights in jail, uh, one of the trainers realized how easy of a time he was having with this, so they recommended the challenge for him. They put two opponents in the ring for him at the same time. And he beat both of them pretty handily. He didn't have much of an issue there. Um, between taking part in the in the boxing program and uh, obviously you have a guy like this in jail, word gets around pretty quick to some fairly powerful people. Um, and he ends up yes. being released October 30th, 1952. It's uh, So the other thing to remember with this whole period of boxing, like the fit shit, even to some extent up until today, um, especially back then, boxing was uh, was pretty mobbed up. Like if, if was. there was a if, if there was a fight, the mob was involved with it. Um, in this now case, I will say this though. On that note, when it sorry to interrupt. Oh no, no worries. But when it comes to that, I will say this: the mob, as an organized group, like as as families, as an organization, they got out of boxing right around the time of uh, Rocky Marciano. Once he got out of boxing and stuff, because first of all, it started getting more organized, and you licenses and yeah, you know all sense. the bureau- bureaucrat shit. But also because bookies quit taking huge bets on fights because there were mobsters coming in taking taking bets off from bookies and they were betting you know five ten twenty grand a fight and if they lost the bookies couldn't cover it and that's when the bookies were like okay we we're gonna put a cap on how much we're going to take for bets on each individual fight because we can't we can't afford to you know be paying out this much money it defeats the whole purpose of having a bookie business but that didn't stop individuals like um if you watch uh Sammy Gravano's Senate subcommittee hearing he actually t- talks about it for a little bit he he's basically like there were individuals who would make individual bets but like the mob as a whole didn't start getting back into boxing as a scene, like as an organized group until like the late forties, early fifties. So there was a span there for about 15 or 20 years where they were still involved individually, depending on who the person was, but not as a whole organization because you, you didn't just have Italian bookies. You had Jewish bookies. You had the bookies out of Harlem all that stuff. And they're all still running the same, the same bets and stuff like that. And all taking different bets. Well, word will get out that, Hey, somebody from the Luciano family just came down here and said, Hey, we're putting all this money. And they went to every single bookie, you know, in each section of New York and made the same bet. Bookies aren't dumb. They're making a fucking killing. Like something's gonna happen. This fighter got bought, and word started getting out, and that's kind of what helped form like the licensing and you know the 
world boxing organization and stuff like that. But it's um, right around like the late forties, early fifties is when they started getting back into it. And that, like you had just said, that so happens to be when Sonny Liston is getting out of prison and two yep. mobsters buy his contract. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And you knew from there, it was like, Oh fuck, here we go again. You know, like, <laughs> This is organized crimes back in it, in it, you know? So one of the, one of the guys that actually essentially bought him, like bought his contract was a, a guy by the name of John Vitale, who would kind of be his quote unquote manager, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but he definitely greased the wheels to get him out of prison a little bit earlier. Cause he was supposed to be in there for a yeah. five year stint and he got out in two. Yeah. So, you know, call it you know between good behavior and all this that the other but money exchange hands there but yeah. there probably yeah, was also definitely. something to do with uh like hey warden look how much you know this guy could be making us some fucking uh-huh. money exactly you know, we can't be having him in here exactly you know let's uh let's get him out so they and it, it was weird it's like for this period of time when you had like organized crime they were like justin was saying they kind of separated themselves you had like the italians you had uh the jewish mafia you would even have like the sicilian which were different than than the you know the uh, the italians and then you also have like the black organized crime and stuff like that and the blacks and italians didn't necessarily work together frequently um so that was kind of kind of strange here because you know vitale is very italian and sunny is very black and he's like hey you're going to make me some money because uh, you're a hell of a boxer. Yeah. But well, money is green. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like when it yeah. comes Skin down to it, doesn't make a organized green crime is there for the money. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And and the other thing, the other very important thing to remember here, especially coming into this part is the mafia doesn't just do you favors. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the, you don't know, like, Hey, we're just going to get you out of jail. You seem no. like a nice kid. No. So they were they were sending him around to like union run factories and businesses and stuff, I guess. Pretty much anytime there was a strike, yeah. they were like they'd send people in and the they'd be like they're sending people in to try to talk him into going back to work. And when that doesn't work, they send Sonny in and uh he pounds the living shit out of like strikers and stuff like that. Um got to the point where after a while of doing that like there would be a strike somewhere and he would just like show up and they'd go back to work. Cause they're like, nah, I don't want to fucking fight this guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they, they essentially promoted him from there to him and like, Hey, you're doing, you're good at this. We're going to have you go collect debts for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. He got deep into the loan shark business, man. And according to what he said, he very rarely had anyone refuse or delay making payment to him. Because well, well, he's, hell yeah. <laughs> he's fucking six, one, 220 pounds. And he's a, at, th- at this point in time, he's doing amateur boxing. So, uh, you, no, uh, you know, I mean, he's competing in Golden Gloves <laughs> um, in St. Louis and in Chicago, um, but he's still getting in trouble with the law. Um, yeah, unfortunately. So like, at one point, I mean, at time, one point, dude, he put a fucking he put a cop in a goddamn trash can <laughs> like upside down at one point. Yes, sure you know what did. I mean? Like. So- <laughs> but before that, at one point in time, the St. Louis Police Department, every fucking cruiser had a picture of him taped to the visor. <laughs> yeah. So basically, it was arrest on site. You see this man, 
You bring him in because he's doing illegal shit. Yeah. We don't know yeah, what he's doing right offhand, but he's doing something if you see him out. Exactly. If if he is out walking the street, if I don't care if he's coming home with groceries or walking his dog, it's illegal. Arrest him. And yeah. it's not because of the color of his skin, it's because he's a violent fucking person. He was thinking yeah, about it was it was literally illegal. his yeah, it was literally his reputation, man. It preceded him. I mean, even up into the northeast when uh Palermo got involved with his contract, you know, I oh, mean those yeah. were northeast fucking gangsters and they knew about this dude. I think half of it's because they promoted him in Philly so much. And it's like, you know, the pride of Philly. And there was one comment back in the day. They were like, yeah, he's the pride of Philly. He's like, hey, we can give him a ticker tape parade and all the confetti will be all his shredded up arrest warrants. And it's like, (laughs) what the fuck, man? (laughs) So he he gets picked up by St. Louis police on January 28th of 1953. Uh, The official charge is that... uh, uh, I mean, I couldn't really find an official charge, to be honest. Uh, I did find a, a, somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 pages that I downloaded of FBI files on him. Uh, oh, yeah. So the, the official charge was, quote, investigation. And uh, he was released the following day. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Again, probably well, picked they knew- up because he was an, a note associate of the mafia. Uh, <laughs> exactly and that's that's the big thing though too is like the same like the the feds the the local police they know who the gangsters are all right oh, yeah. and if you're associated and a man who's a known mobster buys your contract to get you out of prison they know that you're doing something for him like automatically they're not dumb you know no <laughs> So, I mean, it, we, we can finally get around to some boxing here. Uh, he uh, yeah. he went pro uh, September 2nd, 1953. Uh, this, this is after he won the Chicago Gold Gloves by beating a man that had won fucking gold in, an Olympi- in the Olympics the previous go-round. So, Sonny Liston's no fucking joke. What what uh, what year was that? Uh, so that was in 1952 that he beat the Olympian, and I can't remember who it was that he beat. Yeah, I can't uh, remember right offhand either. And we're back. Yes. <laughs> his first, like we were saying, his first pro fight was uh, September 2nd, 1953. Uh, that was in St. Louis. He had a, it was a first round TKO win over a guy named Don Smith. That fight was scheduled for four rounds. Uh, pretty much a lot of your, like a lot of these like lesser fights until you become like start getting up to be a contender are four to six rounds. Then you get into championship fights, which are like 10 or 15, depending. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Don Smith's career, uh, his career record was six, four and one. His next fight came September 17th, which is 15 days later. Yeah. Again, in St. Louis, uh, this one went the distance uh, four rounds. Uh, and this guy, I had a real hard time trying to find stuff because every time I put his name in, all I got was Spanish conquistador bullshit. His name was Ponce de Leon. <laughs> I can't make it up. <laughs> I was like, so this fucking guy discovered Florida, killed a bunch of Mayans, and then fought Sonny Liston. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> uh, but he, uh, he did end up he did end up beating the conquistador on points. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> uh November 21st, 1953. So these fights are I yep. think that's bang, a point bang, bang. we need to pr- point out is that I don't think people understand nowadays when you see a fight once a year, once every two years. Back in the day. I mean, dude, they were fighting twice a month. Once, even Tyson. Yeah. Tyson would fight every six months, like sometimes every three months. 
Like it was an ongoing thing. You didn't you didn't take a two year break. You kept going. Yeah, you had guys like Riddick Bo, like back in the seven, like late seventies, early eighties, when he first started, he was fighting like every three weeks. Yeah, and yep. that's not good for your brain. No, yeah, Riddick Bo was <laughs> no, it's not. Movies, yeah, no. So November twenty first, fifty three, uh, he won a split decision against Benny Thompson. Uh, so something that that kind of that Sonny really changed in the heavyweight division was that he didn't fight at the same weight that most of the other guys did. Um, Cause a lot of those guys in the heavyweight division at the time were like 175. Cause that was the lowest up to about 190. Liston walked around at 200 to 220 pounds and he fought at the same weight. So that gave him a huge advantage. The extra weight kind of helped with his uh, like his punching power. Uh, I mean, this guy could have knocked out a fucking car. Yeah, and if you, if you see his fights versus, like, when he fights most of these guys, uh, I hate to be like, you know, put the whole race thing out there, but, or skin tone, if you see somebody that's, like, white fighting him, oh, they're, they're, they're the so, out of them. yeah, but they're so, like, it, they did, like, the old boxing style, of like, stiff and everything else, where Sonny was, like, like, moving around and everything else, and they were just kind of, like, Okay, you need to stop that. Yeah. You know. Stop with your goddamn rhythm. Yeah. It was just like, you, you <laughs> yeah. always like back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, but I, I mean, then like he kind of had to yeah. you know, upgrade his, or change because yeah. he, he, his style went out, went out when he fought Cassius. Because yeah. Cassius was like the, the big time mover. Fucking A. Oh know. my God. That f- we'll get to that True. fight. That more was, more yeah. footwork versus, that, you know, what Sonny yeah. did. That fight was hard to watch. Because Sonny was more like more upper body movement, yeah. And no he lower flat body. Footed. Yeah, he just he would walk forward and he basically fought flat footed. Um, and where a lot of other guys were using like a jab as a setup punch, kind of like to test the waters, get a feel for distance and all that. Sonny's fucking hitting people with jabs hard enough to knock them out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. He kicks off 1954 January 25th with a sixth round TK, uh, TKO win over Martin Lee. Um, the guy's career record was two, uh, two, four and oh, so not great. No. Um, his next fight was, uh, March 31st and he beat Stanley Howlett, uh, on points. His next three fights all take place in Detroit in the, uh, the Motor City Arena. Uh, first is June 29th, wins a unanimous decision over Johnny Summerlin. Uh, next fight is August 10th against Summerlin again. Uh, this time you want a split decision in eight rounds. Um, so at this point, after this last fight, he's seven and all. He's gone the distance in four of those seven fights, which is a total of thirty nine rounds that he's fought. That's uh, that's a lot of blows to the head, and uh, especially back then when they had no idea like anything about CTE, like what we know now. Yeah, and the frontal hitting that frontal lobe like that. Oh man, yeah. it it doesn't do you any favors. It, like Kevin and I were talking about it. We were out for a ride the other day and, uh, you know, talking about like boxers and how their careers have ended and their, their lives afterwards. I'm like, boxers don't have happy endings. Like, Usually none of them no. Do. Usually you know no. If, like- if, if I think a lot of it, well, I mean, you know, I think a lot of it is, uh, I don't know, case by case, but for the most part, yeah, I totally agree because I mean, I think I, it, a lot of it matters is how long, how long you were in it, how old you were when you got into it. Right. And then how many, what kind of fights you had, you know, like if you're fighting a bunch of dudes that can switch from standard to left or Southpaw, 
I mean, those are the most dynamic and most dangerous fighters that you can ever put in the ring because if somebody can switch on and off like that, you're going to take a shitload of hit shots to the face and the head. Oh, yeah. And they're going you're, to you're, go for that knockout. getting blasted constantly. Yeah. Yeah, and I will say this, like the prime knockout punch is always, you always want to go for that jaw. That's why the uppercuts that Tyson had were so fucking deadly, because your jaw is what, that's where the knockout is always going to be. You get a good clean jaw shot, you got a knockout right there. That, when when he paired it with that that hook to the the body, you kind of like, you'd tuck down anyway, and as you're coming down, he's coming up and just... I don't know how he didn't oh, kill anybody in the ring, you know? Dude, to be honest with you, I'm surprised so he didn't because his oh. body shots were fucking insane. Like, I would not want it. Like, all of my ribs broken. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. fuck, dude. He's hitting you in the ribs so hard it breaks your spine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude, for real. So so a little over a month later, on September 7th, he would fight uh, uh, Marty Marshall, who ended up, ended his career with a 22-13-2 record, so that's not, not too, too bad. Um, this would be Sonny's first loss. He would lose a split decision. Um, by the way, he, uh, he fought the last four rounds of this eight-round fight with a broken jaw. Yeah, dude. Wow. That's fucking yeah. impressive. Yeah, it is, man. It really that's- is. So then he he goes back to uh, St. Louis March first uh, has a match with uh, Neil Welch at the uh, at the Masonic Temple. This one again goes the distance, ending with Sonny uh, beating him by points in the eighth. Um, it's it's hard to find a lot of his older fights. Like his first, probably I don't know, ten to fifteen fights are kind of hard to find, um, and there is possibly reasoning for that, considering this is the fifties and completely honest. You know, most of the time these are two black dudes fighting, and that's not generally going to make it on local TV back then. No, not really. You know, um, which is unfortunate because. Well, sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say, I I think like once they realized uh, that the longer the fights were and the more brutal they were, there were more people that were going to tune in for a longer amount of time. So I think over the course of time, they were like, you know what, like white dudes are kind of not doing it for us right now yeah. and honestly <laughs> you watch a lot of the white fighters from back then they were fucking boring just kind of like you know throw oh, a jab here and like, boring is shit i want to watch yeah. this guy go out and fucking smash somebody's head in yeah just very fundamental i mean they were yeah. very very fundamental and i mean yeah that's great but you know, going back to some of the dynamics of, of, um, you know, African-Americans in the, in the ring, you know, um, you get a couple black fighters in there, dude, you're going to be guaranteed a fucking fight, like no matter yeah. what. And it's going to be more close to a street fight than anything sometimes. And especially back then when they're, when they're trying to prove something, you know, exactly. to not just themselves or each other, but to exactly. the public in general, you know, yeah. and it wasn't until, it wasn't until the white guys were like, all right, <laughs> have to start you know not doing something you know do move a little bit more and you know I mean, no that's well, when the white guys became the managers and the promoters yes. <laughs> that's what happened dude it's like i'm not gonna make any money boxing anymore unless i'm in the office so yeah. here's where we're gonna go and at this point in time white guys are like well at least we still have basketball you know it's like, well, no, <laughs> no you don't. Name, like, name, name me one white basketball player in the last 30 years that's not named Larry Bird. <laughs> Come on, bro. Steve Nash, John Stockton. He's Canadian, dude. though. He doesn't count. 
Dirk oh Nowitzki. my god, here we Dirk, go. German. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, do either one of them really stack up the Larry Bird? No. April 25th, 1955, he avenged his loss to uh, to Marty Marshall. Uh, this time they're back in St. Louis. Uh, he knocked him out in the sixth. Uh, so then May 5th, so another, again, a couple weeks later, goes to Pittsburgh and <laughs> fights a guy by the name of Emil Britko. Bertko, I'm sorry. Uh, he he ruined his day. He knocked him out in the fifth, like, and he had knocked him down three or four times before that. And then in the fifth, he just came out and fucking knocked him out. Uh, Twenty days later, March uh, May 25th, um, he goes out and he batters the shit out of a guy by the name of Calvin Butler, uh, knocks him out in the second round. September 13th, he knocks out Johnny Gray in the sixth round in uh, in Indianapolis. December 13th, he knocks out Larry Watson in the fourth in uh, East St. Louis, Illinois. I had to make sure I got that one in there right. Um, so now we come up to 1956, which is a pretty interesting year for our, our buddy Sonny. He had his first and only fight of 1956 on March 6th against his old buddy Mar- uh, Marty Marshall. Uh, this fight goes the distance, which was 10 rounds for the fight. Uh, wins via a unanimous decision. But that's not what made his year interesting, obviously. No. So Sonny and a friend are outside just, you know, kind of shooting the shit. And uh, a St. Louis police officer comes up and kind of starts harassing him about a cab that's parked out in front of the house. Cabs parked there because the cab driver, cab driver is talking to Sonny. So what was said is lost to history because there's no record as to who said what to who. Um, a scuffle ensues. Uh, Liston ends up breaking the officer's leg. Uh, he hit him in the face, cut, uh, right, cut him with a punch, um, and then uh, took his service revolver away from him. <laughs> so when he was finally caught, he was arrested, obviously, because you can't beat the shit out of a cop and steal his gun and not get arrested. Um, <laughs> he, he ends up serving nine months in the city workhouse, which is basically you're going to jail. Yeah. you know at night you're whatever yeah you're know. gonna work it off yeah. exactly so shortly after his release he has another run-in with the cops which justin mentioned earlier uh this one resulted in the officer being upended and put upside down in a trash can <laughs> the cop was uh, i don't know why i out. love that i mean come on that's, that's one of my that's favorite just... stories and it's it's so simple but it's just like yeah fuck him man <laughs> like i'm not gonna really hurt him i'm just gonna throw him in a fucking trash can yeah now. it's like, like to, to watch a grown man get put upside down in a trash can in like <laughs> yeah. in real life and not in a pro wrestling match is fucking amazing <laughs> yeah i would cheer somebody on as long right? as they're not like fucking a you know a fucking murderer or something but <laughs> so at this point in time and this is this is real fucking interesting too the chief of police of st louis holds a press conference and basically tells sunny liston he needs to leave or he's going to make his life a living hell. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he told he, this is where he said, if he does not leave town, every time he steps out of his house, there will be an officer there with handcuffs ready. I don't care if he's going out to get his mail, he will be arrested. Wow. Yeah. What a dick. And to be honest, though, you, with dude, you, you like, you can't he fuck was up kind two of... cops like that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, dude. And in all honesty, in though, all like his track record. Track record for as as amazing as he was in the ring and like i said you know he had a lot of problems growing up you know you can't dismiss that fact but like the dude was a menace to like to society like you couldn't you know if he knew he knew that 
he could beat the shit out of you. And if it's so called, if the situation called for it, then that's what he was going to do. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, he's he, uh, in, obviously aside from like the criminal record, he's also like you were saying, he's fucking dangerous. <laughs> You know, yeah, dude. And the thing is, like, you see <laughs> pictures of him with his wife, and he looks like just like the sweetest guy ever. And yeah, you're like, oh no, yeah. no, he'll fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah, and the things, some of the things that he told Geraldine, uh, uh, specifically about the two Ali fights, which I which I know we're going to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it, I, I, he, she, I think she knew him way better than anybody else, and I think he confided a lot of things you know with with her and you know not not to jump ahead too far but from what i could find he seems like one of the only like professional athletes that has this kind of background and like this kind of history that didn't fuck around on his wife because like there's there's no No, stories of him like you know running around town on her which is awesome but because yeah. he's a true yeah, gentleman. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, probably Somehow. Because, you know, and I, he wanted to be Yeah, something. I couldn't find too many things that his wife really had bad to say. She never came out and was like, yeah, you beat the shit out of me all the time. I'm glad he's dead. You know what I mean? Well, she, she looked pretty rugged, too. Like, I, I think if, if yeah. he had laid hands on her, she would have given it back. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> you know, sure, I, dude. I'm pretty sure. I would think that, that because of how he saw his with his father. Yeah, that's He didn't want to be that guy so he was like okay listen in this one aspect of my life i'm going to be perfect but the thing that the thing that's unfortunate with that is there's a lot of guys that do that and then they still turn into that same person yes. down the road which is like fuck but like you listen to it and you're like yeah. i'm really fucking pulling for this guy oh he's beating his wife fucker <laughs> yeah well it's like john jones right now you oh. know freaking and i mean it's to the point where he's had so many arrests in the last few years, I mean, Dana White's about ready to ban him. I, know, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. I honestly, you know, his brother just needs to kick his ass. Like, yeah, he's he's the cash <laughs> yeah, cow of the, of the company, but still, like, you can't you can't hit a pregnant woman with your car high on cocaine and run off, and you know, still yeah. get to go defend your title. Not really cool, man. You know, no, kind of, kind of fucked up, kind of super not awesome. Yeah, <laughs> kind of fucked up. One, one of his brothers that plays for the NFL needs, needs to beat the shit out of him. I mean, they could, they could do it. One of them hold him down, the other beat on him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so John Vitale, the uh, the St. Louis mobster that was essentially his manager, um, ends up selling his contract to a guy by the name of Frankie Carbo. Uh, Carbo is and a soldier for the. Yes, yeah, it was uh, Carbo and Palermo. So they were both part of the, the Lucchese family yeah. out of New York. During the 1940s, Carbo became a boxing promoter. And at one point in time, he was actually referred to as the czar of boxing um, because of his yeah. connections yeah. to everybody and all that other stuff. Um, so this is going to bring us up to 1958. Sonny's back in the ring. Uh, going to zip through. I'm going to I'm gonna kind of fly through 58, 59, 60, 61, because these are all just kind of Basically, they're just putting him back in there with fucking tomato cans. Just so he knocks out Billy Hunter, he knocks out Ben Wise, he uh, he beats Ben Whitehurst on the on the cards, beats Julio uh, Julio Maderos by referee stoppage. That's impressive for a boxing match. You got to beat the living fuck out of somebody to have a referee stop the fight. It'd be about the same nowadays of like a, like a doctor stoppage. 
It's like you fuck somebody up bad enough that the referee's like, no, you're done. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, if they're not capable, like, you know, they, they say they're fine, they're, they're fine, but it's like, no, 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 you're not really fine. Well, that, like, you cut, you see a lot more of it now. Yeah, you, you cut somebody over the eye with a punch and they got blood running into their eyes. The referee's going to generally stop that one too because they can't see. Yeah. Um, he knocks out Wayne Bethea in the first. He knocks out Frankie Daniels in the first. He beats Whitehurst again by decision. Uh, he beats Ernie Cab, Mike DeJohn, Cleveland Williams, which I thought was a made up name. Um, he beats all three of those guys by TKO. Honestly, Cleveland Williams, I'm like, somebody just made up a name for a black guy. That's not funny. And I was like, no, he's a real person. Fuck. Okay. Um, so his next four fights were all knockouts. Uh, Nino Valdez, Willie Bezmanov, Howard King, and Cleveland Williams again. Uh, he beat uh, beat Roy Harris by TKO. Zora Folly uh, got knocked out in the first round. Uh, Eddie uh, Eddie Machen Machen sorry lost by the you know due to the judges. Uh, Howard King lost via TKO. Albert Westpaul gets knocked out in the first round. So Sonny is just ripping through motherfuckers at this point. Like yeah, unstoppable. But he's but at this point in time he's uh he's ranked. Yes, he's actually after that last fight he is the number one contender to the champ. Because if I think if I watched I watched the Bezmanov fight and by that time he was number five. Yeah. Um, at that time to uh, for, to the champ. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was uh. But the fact that he's beating people so convincingly kind of helps push him up the ranks a little bit quicker too. Yeah. So, but I mean, the Bez- Bezmanov fight, he was like, you know, Bezmanov was kind of like handling the fight, well, for, for the most part. I mean, <laughs> fucking Sonny could have beat him with his eyes closed. <laughs> True. So, this is leading us up to a championship match. He's 34 and 1. 12 of those have come via knockout at this point. Uh, most of the TKOs were wins due to either referee stoppage or his opponent not being able to. You know, continue answer, answer yeah. the ten count. Yep. Um, his next four bouts, however, are going to be the most important and most controversial of his career. Yes, so, they are. Yes. <laughs> so, like we were saying, he's now the number one contender to Floyd Patterson's heavyweight championship. Um, wasn't an easy road, obviously. I mean, you, you're you're in there with fighting another man that wants to fight you. That's never an easy <laughs> of the champ since like a 1960 ish. Um, but Patterson's handlers kind of kept the two of them apart because of Liston's mob ties. Um, this got to the point that it's starting to come ahead where you can't, you, you can't avoid each other anymore. No. And because Floyd, once you become, you know, ranked number two in the world. You, you can't dodge to, him. He, yeah. You have to fight him. Yeah. Because you can, if you, you know, do, if you do, if you just keep dodging him, people are going to be like, Oh, you, you're scared of him. Look at what's this fuck with uh, Jack Johnson or Jack Johnson following him across the country. Like I'm the real champion. Fucking fight me. Yeah. But you won't because, you know, it's the 1920s and I'm a black man and you're a white man and you yep. you won't fight me. Jack Johnson was a fucking they, beast. Dude, he was. Some of the fucking stories of that dude are crazy. He is not he talked not about enough. Whew. Well, shit. I mean, I, we like talking about boxing. Well, so... there we go. There you go. <laughs> I think maybe no, the, the amount of people, somebody. though, like over the course of the last hundred years, the amount of people who do not know who Jack Johnson is, is fucking insane. 
And then we people say Jack Johnson, they think that fucking surf rock jerk off, and it's like, no, different one. Yeah, this guy's not different playing one. acoustic guitars, my guy. No. He's beating the fuck out of people, and he was black, so he never got a fair he never got a fair shot. Like, if he would have showed up, if if Jack Johnson would have been born in the 1960s, oh man, oh, man. oh dude, him him and Ali would have talked so much shit. Oh, oh my god, god dude, could you imagine? Battle. Because he was the original Ali when it came to being flashy and talking shit and just being brash, dude. (laughs) Getting pulled over on his way to a fight for speeding and like asking the cop how much the ticket was. (laughs) It was a $50 ticket. Hands him a hundred and the cops like, I can't break this. I can't give you a change. He's like, no, no, keep it. I'm coming back the same way. (laughs) Yep. Dude, that is one of the best stories ever, man. (laughs) Ali never had a restaurant named after him. No. He also never had a fucking grill, but whatever, you know. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> so uh, in 1962, uh, Floyd Patterson, obviously being the champ, being champion of whatever, you get invited to the White House. So JFK was like, you know, hey, nice to meet you. You know, this, that, the other. And he goes, don't fight Sonny Liston. It's not that I don't think he can't beat him. Don't fight him because the Justice Department is looking into him because he's connected to the mob. Don't fight him. Bad idea. Yeah. So, again, can't avoid it anyway. Um, The president told me I can't fight you, so I can't fight you. Well, the the other (laughs) thing that happened is the NAACP urges Patterson not to fight him again because he's, quote, not a good representation of the African-American community. Wow. Yes. Because yeah. he's a criminal. And, you know, yep. we don't want to reward that behavior by... Even though he found him. even though he found the one thing he was good at and rode with it, <laughs> yeah. we still don't want to promote the fact that, he, you know, in his younger days and in his free time, he gets into some shit. Like, you know, like I said, man, people never take into context. That's why I do historical figures, because... People never think about the context of the actual person. And it's like, to be honest with you, dude could have ended up way worse with the childhood oh, that he had. fucking for <laughs> sure. He could have ended up dead in a ditch before he got out of high school, you know? Absolutely. He, he could have never made it to high school. He could have pissed yeah. his dad off one day and ended up fucking dead in a field somewhere. Yeah. Yep. Dude didn't learn to um, read till he went to prison. You know what right. I mean? Like, what the fuck? And it's like, and their, their reasoning for that was just because, like, Floyd Patterson was just, like, a good-looking, clean-cut, you know, never got into trouble with anything. He was a good guy. So you have this good versus evil mentality going in yep. into it also where you got Floyd Patterson. Who's like happy, like smiling guy. And Sonny Liston looks like he's going to kill and eat your family. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you got it dead, just dead stare, just walking out to the ring. Like, yeah. And the, in the, you got to think times too. This is the very late 1950s, very early 1960s. So like, yep. Society wise, there is a lot of shit going on. Oh, underlying yeah. Factor wise, you know. And actually, there there was an interviewer that talked to him after the whole NAACP thing came out. Um, and like there was a lot of other like uh, black athletes that were going down, like going down south and trying to like fight injustice and like marching and all that. And uh, yeah. the, the reporter asked him, why aren't you doing that? And he said, quote, my ass ain't dog proof. <laughs> exactly dude dude, some of some of the shit he said (laughs) interviews like they're like oh he doesn't like to talk to the press and he's he's rude to the press and you listen to it now and you're like dude was fucking funny (laughs) i mean that was he was super funny funny. 
but he was honest. He was brutally yeah. honest, man. And he, whether it was one or two sentences, what he said was the point he was trying to make, and he answered your question. Case, exactly. Case over, yep. you know? So September 25th <laughs> of 1962, the fight finally takes place. Um, it's at uh, Comiskey Park in Chicago, home of the White Sox at that time. Um, the old Comiskey. Right? Ooh. Yeah, but I... You know, I'm with you, though, dude. Like, you know... I'm a Cubs fan, dude. Oh, I, so. oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, fuck the Sox, bro. So yeah. a poll put out by uh, by the Associated Press had uh, 64 of the 102 reporters questioned picking Patterson to win this fight. Uh, former champions Jim Braddock, who was actually the inspiration for uh, Cinderella, man. Um, Jersey Joe Walcott, who is going to come up again here shortly. Uh, Ezard Charles and Rocky, uh, Rocky Marciano and Ingermar Johansson all picked Patterson to win. And in the, like all of those guys in their own respect are fucking lights out boxers. They were some of the best of their oh, generation. For sure. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Sports Illustrated said, quote, Sonny has neither Floyd's speed nor the versatility of his or the versatility of his attack. He is a relatively elementary one tra- uh, one track fighter. Uh, they slated Patterson for a 15th round win, but, uh, let's get into ha- what actually happened. So obviously they can both come out to the ring, everything, you know, they get announced, uh, the bell rings for the first round. They came out, they kind of test the waters a little bit, uh, for it, very, very quickly, just throwing a couple of little, like, you know, measurement jabs here and there. Um, and then after that, they just kind of start swinging. They, they land some pretty decent shots on each other. Uh, Patterson lands some really good body shots, but so did Liston. Uh, Liston lands a couple of really good jabs followed by left hooks. Patterson was about to learn something that not a lot of people knew about Sonny Liston. So <laughs> he fought ortho- he fought orthodox. Sonny Liston was a southpaw. So he's leading with his strong hand, which is very, very rare for any kind of fighting because you want your back, your, your strong hand back so that when you come forward you have all that torque and power with it so i didn't give a fuck he could knock you out with either hand um so obviously thinking that that right hand is the strong hand he keeps going to sunny's left trying to avoid the right yep. and as he's doing that he's just leaning into these <laughs> fucking thunderous shots from with his left um so patterson tied list in a uh, tied listens right arm up and uh sunny lands some really really like you can hear how hard he's hitting him in the ribs from a clinch. He's just, just real short little hooks, but there's enough power there that you can hear how hard he's getting hit. Uh, so they separate. And then Patterson, a lot of the fights that I watched with him, he had a tendency to like, he'd throw a couple of punches clinch. And then when he'd come out, he'd come right back in with another punch. He was a, almost like a counter puncher, but he wanted to clinch come back out and then come back in and hit you a couple of times, clinch back up. Yeah. He was trying to beat you on points. Um, so when they come back in and, uh, they, they, you know, Patterson clinches him up again. And this time he traps Sonny's right arm against, uh, uh, so Patterson has Sonny's right arm trapped against his head. So he's trying to hold him up there. Uh, Sonny just starts blasting him in the ribs. He hits him with a real hard left. And then, he throws another left hook aimed for the body hits Patterson in the elbow so hard. He almost knocked him off his feet with a punch to the fucking arm. Okay. So 
that shot kind of caused him to drop his his hand, and Sonny just smashed him in the face with another another left hook, puts him down. Patterson hits the mat. Uh, Liston retreats to a neutral corner. Remember that rule mm-hmm. for a little bit later here. Um, when he gets to the corner, referee starts the count. Um, Patterson does get back to his feet, but it was actually closer to a 12 count. So we have a new champ. Sonny Liston beat him in two minutes and six seconds of the first round. So that was the first time. I'm sorry. So at that time, that was the third fastest knockout in a heavyweight boxing fight. And the first time the defending champion had been knocked out in the first round. So Floyd Patterson was no fucking joke, though. I mean, he won a gold medal in the 1952 Olympics in Helsinki uh, as a middleweight. An amateur uh, amateur record of uh, 40 and 4, 37 of those were knockouts. Um, he beat Archie Moore on November 30th, 1956 for the heavyweight title at the age of 21. Um, so at the time he was the youngest heavyweight champion. Um, but he was also the first man to win a heavyweight championship and an Olympic gold medal ever. So, I mean, he's, he's, and he was the champion for almost six years. And then, you know, he fought Sonny Liston. Yeah. You know, um, so Sonny returns to his uh, his new hometown of Philadelphia, kind of expecting some kind of like, you know, like some fanfare, like a parade, like, hey, our guy won. And uh, like Justin said earlier, there was a Philadelphia reporter by the name of uh, Larry Merchant who wrote, quote, Emily Post would probably recommend a ticker tape parade. For confetti, we can use his shredded uh, shredded warrant of arrest. <laughs> it's one of my favorite quotes, dude. I don't know why. Larry, Mer- Larry Merchant, that's the name right yeah. there. He's big time boxing uh coverage guy yeah he was in the business a long fucking mm-hmm. time long long time yeah yeah so i mean that that kind of goes to show you how the how the city of philadelphia felt about him in general yeah um, yeah <laughs> and it's like I'm, I'm sure we're gonna i'm sure we'll probably upset with i i will probably upset some people here but philadelphia sports fans can be fucking terrible <laughs> oh they're pretty bad yeah they are god awful like they're almost as bad as new york and boston fans occasionally oh yeah <laughs> but fucking, they they can be like real shitty about stuff you know that and the fact that this guy you know the fact that he's black probably didn't help them like him less either you know nope. um, <laughs> so as with most championship fights there's a rematch clause in the contract especially when that's uh when it's a, a match where promoters can kind of see big money happening yep so this is one of those situations, again, you have that good versus evil with Patterson as the, the fan favorite all-American boy that everybody likes, and Sonny Liston is just some fucking street thug that everybody knew was mobbed up, and they hated him for it. Um, yeah. yeah. So they <laughs> but he can still win people money, and he could knock people out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, without even fucking thinking about it. So they have their rematch yeah. July 22nd, 1963 at the convention center in Vegas. Um a lot of hype leading up to the fight. Lots of experts said that Liston had gotten lucky and Patterson's going to come in strong and beat Sonny Liston and come home the hero with his belt. Uh, bell rings, they come out swinging. There's no need for, you know, pleasantries at this point in time. They know no. each other. <laughs> yeah. You know, Patterson quickly works inside and clinches with Liston because that worked out really well in the first, you know, the first time. Um, he threw a pretty good, pretty good hook and Sonny partly blocked it. They separate and Liston lands almost the same combination of punches that ended the first fight. 
and they put he puts Patterson back on the mat. He pops fucking pops right back up. It was like a three count. He's just like, nope, let's go. I'm ready. Um, Patterson comes back out and clinches up again. Uh, this time he ate like three or four uppercuts on his way in. The referee pulls him apart. Um, and if if the referee had not pulled him apart, the fight would have ended right there because Sonny was just feeding him uppercuts. It was like a hockey fight. He got one hand around the back of his head and just fucking throwing uppercuts. Oh. If he if he had a jersey, he would have pulled it over his head and just pounded the shit. Out. <laughs> hey, um, you got to take those openings when you see them, man. And oh, dude, the, and the uppercut, dude, is the end him, game. You know? Yeah, exactly. So he he puts Patterson down again, but he's back up at a count of seven. When he got back up, Sonny just walked in, throws an uppercut to the body and a hook to a left hook to his head, and that was it. He like he got back up and he threw like three more punches and that was done. No doubt winner. Don't leave it up to the referees, you know, to the the judges. We're not leaving up the points. Um, this time he beat Patterson at two minutes and ten seconds of the first round, so he lasted a uh, four seconds longer. The second fight, he's probably disappointed. And again, Floyd Patterson wasn't a fucking chump. No, like he was a hell of a fighter. His next opponent was different, though. So this is a kid that was, you know, he's a 19-0 and upstart that a lot of people thought, you know, he's all sizzle, no steak, out running his mouth, rhyming shit, showing off. This dude's hanging out with Malcolm X and members of the Nation of Islam, you know. Uh, on, one, on more than one occasion leading up to the fight, he would go to Sonny Liston's house. This fucking killed me. He would show up at Sonny Liston's house and wake him up in the middle of the night by yelling out the window of, of his fucking bus with a bullhorn. <laughs> the champ's out here. What are you doing asleep? And Sonny Liston, like, out on his fucking front porch in his boxers, a fucking bathrobe and slippers, like, get the fuck off my lawn. It's three in the morning. <laughs> Goddamn delinquent. Um... So this continues. And one night in Vegas, Liston's shooting craps and by all accounts, losing his ass at the table. And this kid shows up and starts harassing him, getting in his face, whispering to him, talking shit. And after weeks and months, Sonny has finally had enough. And he reaches into his coat and retrieves a revolver and puts it almost point blank into his face and pulls the trigger. And the challenger runs. Everybody is fucking losing their mind in this casino because they think they, they just watched a man get shot. Um, and then he, you know, Sonny just kind of like holds his coat out and fires off the rest of them into his coat. And he's just like, they're blanks. And uh, that was, I didn't realize this was actually a very common thing back then. Because a lot of boxers would do stuff like that. They would carry a revolver with blanks in it. So if somebody started shit, just come up and pop off a couple of rounds and then you run. But in a bad situation where somebody else has got a gun that has actual fucking live rounds in it, that could probably probably end up bad. Um, so, so everybody's like, okay. So I mean, it, it's got to take a lot to get far enough under somebody's skin for them to pull a fucking gun on you in a public place and try to like pretend they're going to shoot you but this guy <laughs> well, was, that guy was the king we are talking about cassius clay muhammad ali who is the best shit talker of all time yep. yeah people that say conor mcgregor was, is the best shit talker nah. of all time have obviously <laughs> never watched muhammad ali run his mouth they, they don't know me. shit about shit if they think oh like conor mcgregor is the best shit uh, talker 
I mean, I will give him credit. When you have a custom like pinstripe suit made and like the pinstriping just says fuck you. Yeah, that's dude. Fantastic. That's pretty badass. I give him credit. You're sitting at the press conference <laughs> and some guy starts running his mouth behind you. You're like, who the fuck's that guy? That's pretty cool. Yeah. But he's not Muhammad Ali. No. Fucking no. <laughs> not no. even close. No, when when you start going, I'm so pretty. <laughs> I don't know if there is a comparable shit talker to him. No. Like to this day. In well, that's sport. And that's like one of the things, um, not to hopefully I'm not jumping too far ahead, but um, you know, when you get into that first fight between those two, that was one of the things I think that uh Liston, like he had that I don't want to say hatred, but he had that animosity towards him because he was just oh, yeah. annoying as fuck and he wouldn't shut up and it's like but he didn't take him seriously. So I'm no. just gonna I'm just gonna state this for the record. Liston didn't really train because I know the outcome of the first fight because obviously I'm a boxing guy. Liston (laughs) did not train the way he should have. It's basically parallel to Tyson, you know, versus Buster Douglas. You know, he didn't take the fight seriously. So yeah, he didn't put in the work. He didn't train really. And Liston was the same way when it came to that first Cassius Clay fight. He was like, is he's just a loudmouth kid? I'm gonna knock his head off his shoulders, get yep. paid. Maybe they'll be around two, you know, not around two, but a, a second fight, you know, and that's gonna be that. So I will say this before we tell the people the outcome of the fight, which are probably googling right now, but <laughs> don't <laughs> Sonny Google it. <laughs> Sonny is he really didn't he didn't put in the work because he didn't take the dude seriously because no. of the amount of shit talk. He thought he was all mouth. And he's like, dude, I've knocked out dudes like you for the last 15 years. Like, shut the fuck up. You know? That was probably the biggest mistake he, he made in his career was not training for this fight. Yes. But I, I did. Well, I, taking him lightly, too. Yeah. I know. did find a really good picture from the, uh, the, the weigh-in, like, post-press conference dinner <laughs> where Sonny is sitting there eating with his wife and Muhammad Ali is walking behind him and just kind of, like, glaring at him. And you can see... Because Sonny's got his head down a little bit, but you can see just how much he's like, I fucking hate this guy. He <laughs> yeah, won't dude. even leave me alone long enough to eat. Yeah. I hate him. He's like, Ali's like walking behind him with his plate, like he's eating and walking around and talking shit. And he's like, I'm going to fucking kill this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. He, he's he's the human embodiment of I'm not touching you. That's how uh, annoying he yeah. is. <laughs> I'm not touching you. You know? So February fifth, nineteen sixty four. It's time. It's finally time for this fight. It's Sunny, <laughs> Sunny Liston and uh, Cassius Clay. I I wrote Muhammad Ali because that's who he is essentially. Yeah, you know? yeah, for well, sure. Yeah, well, at this time, it, he he was still, it, he was still Cassius Clay. Was it okay? Yeah, he hadn't um, changed yeah. his name. He yet. was Cassius yeah. Clay until right around Vietnam started sending him draft notices. I'm just yeah. going to throw that one out there. Not so to be an, ass- not to be an asshole. To, not, not to be that guy, but right around the time Vietnam started saying, hey, bro, you need to do your part. He's like, nah, nah, not well, we'll Cassius Clay anymore, now. dude. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so this actually, this fight would take place at the uh, the Miami Beach Convention Hall. A uh, lot of speculation, like you were saying. And this is the problem is Liston didn't fucking train. Like he got lazy and you know the the bell rings and if if you haven't if you've been living under a fucking rock for the last i don't know 50 some odd years and you've never watched muhammad ali fight go watch it 
because oh, he did God, exactly yeah. what he does in all of his fights right here. He amazing just, boxer. Absolutely and, amazing. This was such a weird fight to watch because you've got, you know, like Sonny comes out, you know, and uh, he, slow, he, flat footed. Exactly. <laughs> he's, he's still fighting like it's the 50s. And fucking Muhammad Ali is out here bouncing around and, you know, yep. running yep. his mouth, leaning out of shots and stuff. So the first fight, there wasn't a lot, like the first round, not a lot really happened. Ali landed a pretty awesome combo that kind of that shook Sonny up pretty good. The second round, Sonny Liston hits more air than he hit Ali. And oh, yeah. uh, the third round, it, like it was, it, it's, it's shocking to watch this fight. Cause you watch all the, like any other Sonny Liston fight where he's just battering people. And then he's missing shots and you're like, what the fuck's going on? Like you can see at like right from the very beginning, you're like, oh, this is going to be bad for him. This is going to end not yeah. good. <laughs> um, so the third round, Ali comes out of his corner and, uh, he busts Sonny up. He, he cut him under the left eye. And once he smelled blood, he went fucking berserk. Yep. Uh, Liston comes back a little bit. Ali's bouncing out of the way. He can't, he can't touch him. You can tell that Sonny is getting really frustrated at this point in time. Because even like what he's landing isn't doing anything. Like he's barely making, you know, he's not, Contact, not making waves yeah. with anything. So here's where stuff gets pretty interesting is between the fourth and fifth round. Ali in this corner, like you, like you, if you watch the fight, you can kind of see, because if you're watching the fight, Ali is in the lower right-hand side of the, the ring and he's like throwing his hands up and he's, you know, making all kinds of noise. And his, uh, his corner man's like trying to calm him down and see what's going on. He's claiming that he can't see and they get mm-hmm. a camera down there and you can see him. He's blinking a lot and he's kind of screwing up his face and uh, he's saying he's got stuff in his eyes said that Liston's gloves had stuff had had things put on them. And when he was getting them in his face, he was kind of getting stuff into his eyes. So there's a rumor and you can kind of take it for what it is. Someone sitting like in the golden circle, like that first little row right around ringside. Um, someone sitting there claims that they heard one of uh, one of Sonny's corner men say, quote, burn the gloves, meaning <clears throat> to yeah. put something on them, you know, whatever it yep. was. I don't know if this really happened. I mean, considering if you watch the fight, you really noticed how loud the venue is more likely than not. Nobody heard anybody say a fucking word. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's that one of the things I was going to point out as well, because you, it's not like today where people are mic'd up the entire time. It was, you had certain microphones in certain areas and they're right. capturing all this crowd noise, all the ring noise, all the trainer noise, all at once. Oh, yeah. You know, it's hard telling. So what's what's more likely is that whatever they put on Sonny's face got onto his gloves mm-hmm. and then into Ali's face, which, I mean, if they're putting it on Sonny's face, you'd think maybe if it got in his eyes because he's sweating like crazy. Yeah. That it would have bothered him, too, unless Ali had some kind of weird, like, allergic reaction to whatever they used. It could probably been. the case. But I mean, at that point in time, I'm st- I think they were probably still just using Vaseline for cuts. Well, and I wanted to point out a fact about the Vaseline because a lot of people who aren't into boxing that much, they don't understand like the whole concept behind the Vaseline on the face around the eyes. And I, I remembered it when you brought up the fact that as soon as he got that cut, Ali went for blood 
And like, that's the thing. Um, when you're sitting in the ring, you're getting greased up with Vaseline around your eyes, around your cheeks, you know, sometimes around your jawline. And it's usually before you get cut. And that mm-hmm. is because if the glove, let's say you're sweating and somebody hits you with a glove, that impact of the glove is going to be direct. There's not going to be any kind of um, like, what's the word? It's not going to slide off very easily. Right. It's going to be concrete. It's going to be direct. So the reason they would do Vaseline, they still do to this day, is because like the glove will slide as opposed to sticking to the skin and hitting that, you know, adhering to it or, you know, basically like direct. And once you split somebody up, like once you, any boxing match you ever fucking watch, once somebody gets a cut around the eye, that other boxer will purposely go for that cut as yep. much as they possibly can. Because keep it if open. They hit that cut, keep it open. It will swell up faster. It'll close their eye. And then that other boxer is down to one eye. Yep. And once you lose your depth perception as a boxer, you are completely fucked. Like that, you have you can, to have can, that. If you can open that cut up bad enough that it doesn't look like it's going to stop bleeding, the referee can also stop it too. Yes, exactly. And that's why if, if it's towards the end of a round and somebody gets a cut, you'll see those trainers, they will drain it. They're, they're taking their thumb and they're wiping it across that cut to drain yep. it as quickly as they can because it's like you we need two minutes in this next round drain it you know make sure you block that eye you know you need to keep your guard up for that eye so i wanted to just point that out there is a reason for that vaseline and there are people who have weird allergic reactions to it but at the same time i don't see that being a factor just because if ali would have been allergic to or had an allergic reaction to anything greased up that he was putting on his face like he would have known it as a boxer by now that he had an allergic reaction to something like that. Right. You know so, what I mean? So So let me ask you, do you think that this was more uh more of a just a stunt on his part to to try to make it, shit more interesting? Okay. It could have been, but at the same time, Sonny Liston at this point in his career is not in full one hundred percent control of his career. No. He has handlers. You know what I'm saying? He has people sure. setting up the fights, very dangerous people setting up the fucking fights and making sure that everybody's making the same amount of money. So with a new young guy like Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali coming into the into the scene and he's a loud mouth, he's getting lots of lots of media attention. There's going to be way more attention on this fight because he's a new young up and comer and you have Sonny Liston, who literally, like we said earlier, 14, 15 inch fists, who will literally club your head off. But he's also in the ring, out, you know, outside of the ring during interviews, press conferences. Dude really doesn't say much. So you have a dude that's super quiet going into the ring with a dude, a young guy, loudmouth as hell, hungry for a championship. He is hungry for a championship. And that's one of the things I love about Muhammad Ali so much, or Cassius Clay, you know, however you want to refer to him as, is because he had drive. He had so much drive and passion for the sport, and he knew that he was good at it. And everybody else knew too. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it past 
somebody like you had said burning the gloves which is what they used to call it back then they would wipe you know something like the old school tiger bomb you know you get tiger bomb anywhere around your fucking face like oh what was that other shit that uh the aerosol stuff anything like yeah yeah like when you're a kid you like you scrape your knee and your mom sprays that stuff on there and it feels like somebody set your leg on fire yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Geez. Or even, Fighting you know, game. like the the spray or even uh sometimes like back in the old days, because the gloves oftentimes, depending on the fighter, were red. Uh, they'd fucking lightly smear a little bit of Tabasco, you know, and let it dry on there. So after it was dried and you don't need that much, you can literally put one drop on your finger, coat it on the end of the glove. And once your glove hits that sweat and that's the kicker, like you don't notice it until you start sweating or, you know, somewhere around the face and it attaches to that sweat and it, that's when yeah, it that, starts getting in your eyes. So the either in your way, eyes, it fucks you up. yeah, dude, either way, I wouldn't put it past either fighter for that to be the scenario, whether it was pumping up and being dramatic about it or this actually happening. Now to say Sonny Liston purposely would tell his trainers to do something like that. I really don't fucking see that, man. I really don't no, like. I, I, I think I, someone I, in his corner would have been more yes, likely a yes culprit doing that. Yeah, and Sonny is just—he's just like, hey, I'm out here getting paid to do the only fucking thing in this world that I'm good at. Right. I don't whether I lose or win. You know, it is what it is. I don't think he would purposely say, "Hey, trainer, you know, fucking burn up my gloves for me." I don't think he would do that. But I could see a trainer or a manager, promoter, da da da, coming over and saying, "Hey, our boy's gonna lose. We need to make sure he fucking wins, or whatever yeah. the case is." So yeah. So the reason I asked if you thought it was Ali make like <clears throat> you know just trying to like play it up is because if you watch him between rounds. He's like running his mouth to the crowd, making faces and shit. And yeah. You're like, I could, I could almost see it being like that, being like, I oh, could. No, like, I was yeah. at a disadvantage and I still <laughs> fucked him up, you know? That's why I'm kind of impartial to it. I, it's, <laughs> it's a hard answer because with Ali, it's hard telling. The dude was a showman just as much as he was a, one of the most amazing boxers to ever fucking oh, yeah. live, you know? But he was also a showman and he knew how to grabbed the crowd's attention he knew how to get him into it he knew how to sell tickets and put asses in the seats so you know and we all knew at this point probably because of the pre-contract that either way there was going to be another fight oh so yeah for sure that could have been part of building up to it so i don't have a definitive answer it could have gone either way you know so considering at this point in time he's quote blinded the you know the yeah. match continues and Ali comes out and he's still just dancing his ass off. Yeah, like this this is the <laughs> best opportunity that Sonny has. He lands a few good shots, but nothing that's going to do any any damage really. So throughout the sixth round, you can kind of see Sonny avoiding using his right arm. So yes. it's yes. it's said that it was sore from an injury during training because he didn't he trained but not like you said he didn't train a lot. He did a little bit, but. Um, yeah, but he's throwing, he's throwing all these lefts. Like he's got his right arm kind of tucked and he just keeps throwing lefts. Um, and Ali makes him pay for it. He fucking teed off on him. Um, he's picking his punches, mm-hmm. landing some really good hard shots. The round ends and both guys retreat back to their corners. Liston does not come out yeah. for the seventh round. So no, he doesn't. This no. is a, he, he has a shoulder injury. And after the fight, 
Ali is just like, no, nah, he's not hurt. He's afraid of me. He can't hit me. I'm too pretty. And like Kevin and I were talking to like the guy interview and you, you can tell it's just one that wants to be like, okay, settle down. Get, you got that? Okay. Yeah. You got that in your system. Good, good. Cool. Tell us about the fight. And he's like, mm, no, no, he can't. I'm the champion. Like, okay. I fucking get it. <laughs> like I'm surprised yeah. that the interviewer didn't just like walk away. Like, fuck it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like and that's Lewis the thing out. with the train. Joe Lewis or Joe Frazier went out and tried to talk to him, and he did the same thing, and he walked away from them. Yeah, and that's you know? the thing with the training that we have to point out. When you're fighting on average two to three times a year, all right, and you're training constantly six days a week, you're in prime condition, and you decide to take a couple months off and not really train as hard, yeah. and then you're training one or two days a week, you're, there's going to be injury. There's, in, whether it's during the fight or during the training, because you're training just as hard, but you're training minimally. Like you're, the body is an amazing thing like that. Like you have to keep it up. So like everybody, you know, well not everybody, but there's always that speculation. It's like oh he, he threw that fight, and it's like first of all we haven't even got to the second fight yet. But it's, yeah. it's like the the first fight, dude, I honestly I do see that as being honest because he wasn't training as much. He was training a third of the time, but training just as hard a third of the time. And during that match, I mean, he was trying to hit Ali with everything that he had. Oh, so course, I can yeah. I can see the injury. I can see the injury and him not coming out and it being legit because he was like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to have a second fight anyway. I'm going to train harder. I need to heal up. But that's just the, that's just my opinion. Or maybe even even it happened, you know, because he was because he was trying to swing for the fences and maybe he had something maybe lingering or whatever, but it wasn't yeah. totally nothing. But then like throwing that haymaker. You know, a couple yep. of those just it just let it go, yeah. and you know, which then caused him to to be like, okay, well, hey, I don't know what the hell's going on here, but I, I just can't go out, you know. Yeah, and, and you can you see know. him, you can see him favoring that arm like progressively through the fourth and fifth and sixth rounds. Like you can see him start throwing less and less punches with that arm. Yeah. And, and kind of like, you know, dodging out, you know, yeah. pushing more away from that one side. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just so that he wouldn't be hit over on that side. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And to be honest with you, like, I don't, I honestly surprised he didn't try to switch up his stance and, and play a little bit more defensive or not really play, but fight a little bit more defensively. But at the same time, that's not Sonny Liston's MO. That's not how he's trained. No. He's trained no. as the aggressive offensive fighter. He's not trained as a defensive one. Yeah, and like he was, yeah. he was more of like I'm going to take the center of the ring. That's where I'm going to be, you know. And that's yeah, it. Exactly. You're going to be on the outside. I'm going to be on the inside. Exactly. And like that's something that you don't see with boxers nowadays for like the younger people because you see fighters getting trained both ways. And I think mm -hmm. part of that started in. I don't know, probably more of the early, mid, late 80s. I mean, Roy Jones Jr., I think, is a perfect, great example of that, along with Tyson. Roy Jones Jr. was very cocky, loud mouth, 
dude, he would literally put his hands behind his back and put his face oh, yeah. out and just and say, hit me. And dude would unleash like a three-shot combo, and he'd just dodge and bob and weave, and then he'd come up and unleash like a three-four hit combo on the dude. Uh-huh. You know, and like that, dude, I always loved watching Roy Jones Jr. fight because you knew you were going to get a fucking show. Yeah, and he knew uh, that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Lennox Lewis. Another one like Lennox, that. yep. You know, this guy comes out, you're going to get a great fucking fight to watch. Yeah, but exactly. I mean, Roy Jones was like, he was a shit talker like Ollie, <laughs> but he backed it up right in the ring. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's like, I mean, how many people, you know, actually would do that, you know, had the guts to like put their hands behind the back and say, hit me, do it. And yep. they can't because he's like, oh, oh, hey, oh, you missed. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know, I know I'll get shit from somebody for this, but one guy I hate fucking watching box is Floyd Mayweather. I just, I oh, think dude, me too. He's, he's all defense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that but fight with the Pacquiao deal, could have been so good, but he's just like, he, he fucking nickeled and dimed him on the cards. Like it, the yeah. only other guy. That I remember doing that. My dad actually started to follow him because uh, he'd be on uh, sometimes be on ESPN like late, late night fights or whatever. Um, I miss boxing on ESPN. Dude, HBO yeah. After Dark, Damn bro. It. Oh shit! Yes, yeah. there was a guy I can't think of, uh, like uh, Ali Prince Ali or whatever the hell his name was. This guy was like cocky as a motherfucker. Like he was a, a middleweight or something or. Lightweight, I don't know whatever he was, but he was just like his movements and everything were just like, yeah, hit me, do it, come on, you yeah. can do it, you know. I mean, nowadays you don't see that. Only time you ever see something cocky like that is you have to go over to MMA and you got to see. Uh, it's it's yeah. because boxing's kind of died off, which it's actually starting to come back. True, it's coming back, but it's because you know I'm one of these people where given the choice between watching. Uh, you know, watching boxing or watching MMA, I'm going to pick boxing because I don't necessarily want to see somebody get kicked in the fucking head, like constantly, or when they're laying on their back, clearly unconscious, watching a guy lean over top of him, and just beat his brains in. I don't want to watch that. I want to watch a fight. I want to watch a boxing match, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's all, you know, I mean, yeah. Because a lot of it now is, you know, MMA is just a bunch of, you know, trash talking. Yeah, it's and... just dudes running their fucking mouths and then going out and rolling around on top of each other. Yeah, I mean, you get to what, what was it? Uh, <laughs> the the last fight I watched, boxing, was just that, uh, uh, oh, uh, what was his name? J- uh, Joshua uh, versus, uh, uh, fuck, what's his name? The Yurik or whatever it was? Yeah. Yeah. That was a great goddamn match. I mean, full, like, you know, nonstop action the whole goddamn match. And hardly no clinching up, no nothing. It was just, you know, straight on, just, just, well, that's just what I love. box it out. That's why I love Pacquiao so much. And, like, by the way, rest in peace, Pacquiao, not because he died, but because he retired last week, and I'm going to miss watching that dude fight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, oh the other one's like, Dude, I, I... you, you want to watch some, <laughs> some fucking wars with like one of my favorite, like three kind of like three fight rivalries was Arturo Gotti and Mickey Ward. Those guys pounded oh, yeah, the fuck dude. out of each other. Oh, my God. oh, dude, you should watch. Uh, 
you would really, really like the uh, 91 fight, and it was Tyson's second fight with Ruddick. Because, uh, oh, yeah, Ruddick, watch that one. Dude, Rod Ruddick fought the last nine rounds with a Razor broken Ruddick. fucking jaw, dude. A broken oh, yeah. fucking jaw. Dude, and that's rugged fighting fuck. Mike Tyson and yeah, last yeah. nine rounds, yeah. dude, trying to protect your face from Mike Tyson. But here's the deal. Mike Tyson, that is the one of the very few times, especially after the first fight, he was doing the, the post-fight interview right there in the ring. And, dude, if you go back and watch Ruddick, that dude, he's and Tyson even said it in that interview. He's still in the ring. He's like, dude, hits like a fucking mule, man. He goes... He's like, that's the hardest hit I've ever taken in my life, dude. And if you go back and watch, uh, you can watch on YouTube some some Ruddick hits. And he's considered one of the hardest punchers ever in in boxing, even though he's not very well known. That dude, you can hear it. Oh, my God. Every single oh, yeah. he put it. Oh, you can hear it, dude. And it's just, there were a couple times he'd break ribs and you can fucking just hear it and it's like oh my god man when, when you see somebody's there, and that's, when they get hit fucking scary yeah and that's why the only reason we i brought up this tangent again i'm sorry is because <laughs> no, i, I didn't though, comment on it but i saw your post in boxing fanatics yeah. and it was who would win this fight tyson versus sonny liston and i honestly think tyson would win just because of his underrated defensive abilities footwork. and his footwork and the fact that dude he can take a fucking beating like oh yeah dude he took a beating from ruddick for two fights in a row man and ruddick is considered one of the hardest punchers in boxing fucking history and honestly i mean <laughs> I, I think the only the only chance sonny would would stand in that fight would be is if he could keep him at a distance because his sonny reach, Liston had a fucking 84 yeah. inch reach like that's yeah, ungodly. yeah. I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. He had the height and reach advantage for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously after the fight's over, Sonny goes to the hospital because he is, he is actually hurt. No matter, no, no matter what Muhammad Ali wants to say, <laughs> Sonny's actually hurt. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the doctors there said, quote, we came to the conclusion that Sonny Liston suffered an injury to the long head of the biceps tendon on his left shoulder. With the result, they, uh, with the result, there is separation and tear of muscle fibers with some hemorrhaging into the muscle belly. This condition would be sufficient to incapacitate him and prevent him from defending himself. Definitely. So when they cut Sonny's glove off, they had to cut his glove off because his hand was so fucking swollen they couldn't just pull yeah. it off. Yeah. yeah. So the tear in his bicep was so bad that it actually bled internally down into his arm and pooled in his hand. Um. He said after the fight that he, quote, I shook my hand and it felt like it was full of water. That's fucking oh, gross. fuck, dude. Ugh. That's messed up. So 13 months later, to the day, they would finally meet again. Oh, yeah. And this, this, is, this is where it gets weird because the fight takes place in fucking <laughs> Lewiston, Maine, of all places. Yep. <laughs> um, it was supposed to take place at the Boston Garden, which would have been realistically those two at the Boston garden probably would have been the highest grossing event in that center of all time. Oh, and the sure. fucking Celtics played there. Absolutely. You know? uh, so it was supposed to have happened November 16th, 1964, but three days earlier on Friday, the 13th, Ali was rushed to uh, uh, the Sherry Baltimore, uh, sorry, rushed from the Sherry Baltimore hotel to the Boston city hospital 
because he had a uh, he suffered a hernia. And obviously, if you've ever had a hernia, you're not fucking fighting with it. Nah, they you're not fighting down. anybody. <laughs> so they postponed the fight until the spring of 1965. Um, some other really dumb shit happened, including the Boston DA's office deciding to kind of out of the blue investigate Liston's background. And at this point, oh, the promoters no. basically said, fuck it. And they, they moved it to Northeast buttfuck Maine. You know, there's <laughs> you, know, you put you put flyers up for that fight in Maine and people are like, who the fuck? What? They're, yeah. And I think part of that, too, okay. is like they knew they would they knew they would draw a crowd plus TV ratings just because it was a part two fight. You know, so it's like, fuck, if you guys want to sit or sit around, dick around in Boston, fuck, it, we're not going to deal with it. We'll just put it somewhere else. We're still going to. I mean, money, if, if, you know? if they had put it somewhere like Portland, where you have a larger population, it would have been it would have been way bigger. But like Lewiston's like out in the middle yeah. of fucking nowhere, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. Um, so May 25th, 1965 at St. Dominic's Hall. This is possibly one of the most controver- controversial boxing matches ever. And there's yeah, a lot of them. And this there's was some like documentaries made on this fucking fight. Yeah. So <laughs> like... I, I I don't know if you're uh, if if you like watch pro wrestling at all growing up or whatever, but there's a series called uh, Dark Side of the Ring. <clears throat> I've heard they, of they... it. Oh, dude, it's so fucking good. I'll I, be honest, Kevin. I'm probably not going to watch it, dude. I don't get into no. wrestling that much. <laughs> I'll be, dude, I'll be perfectly honest. A... Oh no, it's like what makes it interesting is not the uh, not so much the wrestling, but just like the crazy shit the that these guys get into. It. And yeah. I actually emailed one of the producers, like, you guys should do this with boxing because there's oh, so fuck. many, oh, so many should. guys that you could just do like these, like super detailed, like hour, hour and 10 minute long, whatever mm-hmm. documentaries oh, on. There's so many of them from the 1920s until now. Like, fucking oh, seriously, dude. Holy shit. You there's could... so many. Yeah. You do that fucking 30 seasons of that show. You could do 30 uh, seasons on Sonny List and himself, dude. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> so this fight, this fight ends in the first round. Yeah. They trade punches for a little bit, and either Ali clipped him with a short right to the chin and put mm-hmm. Liston down, or Liston felt contact of some sort and finally just dropped. Yeah. Um what makes it more interesting is while while Liston's on the mat, and uh, I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, this is probably he, he's featured in probably the most famous photo ever taken of a boxing ever, match, and ever. he's laying on his fucking back in it. Yeah. <laughs> so while he's laying there, Ali is standing over and pounding his chest and yelling, "Get up, sucker!" <laughs> yeah. And the referee is trying to get trying to get him to go back into his corner so that he can start the count. Mm-hmm. So remember earlier I mentioned the whole you got to go to a neutral corner before the ref starts yes. counting thing. Yeah, yeah. So Liston's down for a while. Ollie is running his mouth, and it gets to be about a fifteen count, and Liston's finally back on his feet, ready to go. And the referee actually restarts the fight. He's like, yeah. he steps out of the way and lets him go, and the fucking bell rings. So the the referee starts waving his arms, and the referee was. Jersey Joe Walcott, who was one of the guys that put money on Floyd Patterson the first time. Um, <laughs> and he's uh he goes over to the over to the ropes and he's like, I he, to the timekeeper and says, I didn't call for the bell. The timekeeper responds by telling him, I did, and then left ringside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he and didn't that's call the thing. for the bell. 
I think it was one of the re uh, one of the reporters or people in one of the corners is like, "Hey, man, that was like 15, 17 seconds. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay." <laughs> but by the referee's count, it was only eight because Ali finally went back to his corner and he started yeah. counting. Exactly. And by the time he hit eight, he's checking. He's got Liston's hands. He's checking him. You're like, hey, "You're you good to fight?" You know, shakes. You know, nods his head and sends him back out. You know, um, so the fight ends and you know Muhammad Ali's still champ. Yeah. Um, so something to consider is that obviously we've mentioned it a thousand times. Sonny Liston has got, you know, he's fucking mobbed up to the gills. He's mobbed and up. Yeah. <laughs> so of course there's potential there that he was told to throw the fight, you know, and get a payday out of it. Another thing that a lot of people have said is that Muhammad Ali's ties to the nation of Islam yes. and his association with these guys. Thank you yeah. for bringing this up, dude, because nobody ever mentions this shit. Right. So they, they told one of list uh, allegedly told one of Liston's cornerman or trainers that they had people near Sonny Liston's house yep. and that if he didn't throw the fight, they were going to kill his wife. Yes. And he threw the fight. Yep. Because and I like one of the sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I mean, it's like you and I could, I could kind of almost see that being the case because, again, you look at pictures of Sonny and his wife, and it's like the fucking happiest people on the face of the earth. That he was, done dude, that was all he had. That was, exactly. that was the only person he had. Like, right. the only person that loved him unconditionally and the only person yep. that he loved unconditionally was his fucking wife. The only person that didn't use him to, you know, yes. advance their yes. station in life or whatever. Like, they genuinely yep. loved each other. I mean, because the nation yeah. of Islam yeah. was associated with the Black Panthers. Yes, and, yes. And so, back uh, then, that was you would have got fucked up. And yeah. and supposedly, Sonny himself straight up told straight up. Geraldine, like, if if I win, you lose. Because yeah. she asked. Because if, and for anybody curious, if you just Google the Phantom Punch, all this shit's gonna come up. Because that's what it's known as, the Phantom Punch, because it yeah. supposedly didn't make contact. But, yeah. but he whole, did, though. But it you know? did, but yeah. enough to take Sonny Liston down, man. You know what and I'm that's, saying? And that's the thing. That's where that whole <laughs> that whole Phantom Punch thing is. Because people have said that, like, yes, he made contact. But there is a story about Sonny Liston when he was in prison where he got into some shit with a guard. And they broke a fucking nightstick over his head and he kept fighting. Yeah, exactly, See, dude. So he fought two motherfuckers in prison. At the same fucking time. And, <laughs> at the same fucking time. Are you telling me that a little glaze by fucking Ali is going to fucking knock and him I mean, on his ass? If you think about the angle and the force, like maybe, 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 maybe. I don't think so. Because Liston was coming up as the punch was coming down. Maybe. I said, Probably it, not, but I maybe. It, I say no. Because his, his no. face is still going to be greased up, man. That right. that direct contact I mean, is just going to slide like, off. This was like a uh, a little over, like, not quite two minutes into the fight, yeah. too. So, I mean, this I don't is literally know. like... For, they probably yeah. even started breaking a right fucking at the sweat. Beginning. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's fucking Maine in the in May, so it's not super hot there, obviously, you know. Uh, and yeah. I say no just because <laughs> of uh Liston's I think it's the next fight or he had one a of his hell next of a fights. Jaw too, though. One of his next fights or whatever, he fights a younger kid who kinda has the same fighting style as Ali and can throw some goddamn haymakers and <clears> he throws him at him 
and actually has the same as him in the clinch, the same way Ali did, and punches him, and he doesn't go down. Fucking Ali hit him a thousand times in the fight last fight before this, yeah. and there were all harder yeah. shots than that, than that. Didn't go down. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. The whole the whole scenario, like it was either like what Geraldine said. And here's the deal: Geraldine didn't. She was. I don't. I don't know why she would embellish anything because she. I just don't. She was a very soft spoken woman. Like just kept to herself. She was just married to this dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. But mm-hmm. when she says, she wasn't married to a boxer. She was married to Sonny. Exactly. And when she comes out in an interview and says, listen, like Sonny told me, you know, when he came home, I said, what happened? And he said, if I lose or if I win, you lose. And she's like, that's all he said. And then yep. later on, she there was somebody I can't remember if it was Sonny or her that said that he threw the fight because he was scared of the uh, the the black Muslims, the Nation of Islam. Uh, killing her and then doing something to him but then you also have the mobbed up scenario now yeah the mobbed up scenario here's the deal if the mob doesn't think you're going to win a fight they're going to bet against you they're not going to bet for you or they're not going to bet against you and then tell you to to lose because no i think at this point with sunny's age and what he's done with his body over the years and the fact that you know, Muhammad Ali is young. He's the next up and comer without question. I mean, I think everybody, who was the favorite? I don't know who the, who was the favorite in that fight. In that fight. I think, I think they, it was, it was actually pretty close from what I saw. It looked like it was probably like 60, 40 in favor of Ali. Okay. Well, and there you go. If you already have a favorite in Ali, why are you going to fucking tell Sonny Liston to throw a fight. You're going to put money, you know, on Ali. He's already the favorite. Plus you have the nation of Islam factor. I don't know, man. I mean, I, if he did throw the fight, which I think he did, I really honestly think he did. Yeah. I don't um, think it was because of the mafia. I honest to God think it was because of what he told Geraldine and other you know, snippets of information that we've collected where people were like, no, man, he's straight up said he's like nation of Islam was going to kill his wife and him. If he yeah. didn't lose, because at this point in time, Cassius Clay is balls deep in that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the thing is, it's like, and, what me is oh, why, you know, if, if he's mobbed up, okay. Did, yeah. Did he go to the mob? And say, hey, listen. Here's the deal. If he's if he's mobbed so. up to this point, yeah. If he's mobbed up to this point, in all honesty, let's be real about this shit. Do you fucking think the Lucchese family is mm-hmm. going to let the Nation no. of Islam fucking call the shots? Fuck no. no, they're not, dude. They're gonna call in the other four families, and they're gonna send squads out, dude. They're gonna send crews out. And they're going to fucking handle, they're going to be like, no, we're protecting our fucking investment. You know, like this, this shit ain't going to happen. And fucking Ali would have had his knees broken. (laughs) Dude, Ali would have fucking, yeah, he would. He would have had his arms broken, his knees broken. They would have been at his fucking house. Like, so I don't really think it was a mob call. 
it wouldn't have shut him up though. <laughs> he well, would have kept running his fucking mouth. Oh, he had to have the mob come out and beat me, so I can't beat. So he because in he all can't, honesty you know? though, look oh. at look at some of the Lucchese family members in the early 1960s. They would have gone and they would have broken Ali's jaw to where he had a wired shut for six uh-huh. months. Like that's just how they fucking rolled back then. Or they so would have I found think, one of the fucking trainers in a yeah, in the trunk of a car they, at the airport or something, yeah, you know? Exactly, dude. And like at this point in time, there's no qualms about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? They've done it to more powerful people. Either oh, that sure. or he would have disappeared off the face of the planet. So yeah, like I don't think I don't it. think it was a mob thing. I think I honestly think it was a nation of Islam thing because I honestly do think he threw the fight. Like he blatantly, I mean he lost on purpose. Like, he could have made it look better, though. He could have made it look way better, and at least it lasted a little longer. I mean, yeah. the only thing I could see is, like, maybe he lost his footing or lost his balance, and it might have clipped him just right. But given his past record and the fact that he has a reputation to keep up, because here's the deal. He's not a flashy, loudmouth dude. He's a street guy. Like Sonny yeah. Liston has a fucking reputation of being a bad dude. And, and it's like, like at, at this point in time, they had moved yeah. to Denver because he left Philadelphia because there was so much bullshit going on. And he's like, and the guy that he was training, that was training and was in Denver. And he's like, I like it here. It's quiet. There's less stuff to deal with. So he moved uh, Geraldine yeah. out there and they, they stayed there. Yeah. I mean, or, yeah. or, you know, there's always the other factor of that. He got told, well, whatever. We're done with you. You know, we don't want anything to do with you anymore. Well, I, I, you know, I, I don't. Mob. I mean, I think you know. I don't and, think they would have done that just because they knew they could milk. The mob's going to milk as much as they can out of you until there's nothing left. In which they, he kept they, fighting afterwards. So he did. Yeah, he yeah. had another. He actually had another sixteen fights after that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Fifteen of them were either TKO or knockout. I mean, and he. So the the. Of the 16, he lost one of them, which was the second to last fight of his career that he lost to a, a guy that they had brought in to spar with him uh, by the name of Leotis Martin. And they're like, well, we're just going to have you go out and actually fight him. You're going to fucking wipe the floor with him. And Martin knocked his ass out. Um, yeah. And his final fight was June 29th of 1970, uh, which here's here's where. It gets a little wonky. It's six months and a day later, he's dead. Yeah. Yep. You know, um, so that's where we're going to, that's where we're going to end off on the actual <laughs> research part of this for the, yeah. for the episode. Yeah. But uh, yeah, his, his death is very, very interesting as to very what happened. A lot of suspicion going yeah. around to a lot of places. It's definitely fishy. And this is the part that I've always gotten into this part that I actually researched because it's kind of my thing, but a lot of shit going on, you know, it's almost like it happened under mysterious circumstances. It's crazy. Nice name drop. <laughs> I like that. Nice name drop, dude. I didn't even plan it. It just happened. <laughs> he planned oh, it. Man. Yeah. It's, I, it's weird shit, man. Yeah. I don't know. And that's the thing though, too. Like, Sonny Liston's ego, you know, he just, 
I don't know, unless don't know. unless somebody would threaten his wife, like even if somebody threatened him in a fight like that with Ali the, the first or second time around, I don't think he would give a fuck. No. He's like, you're going to take my life? Fucking let's go. Try it. I'm going to beat this yeah. dude's ass, and then then we'll worry about the rest. Like You better pack a lunch. Gonna it's going to be a long work. fucking day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think that the this, if, if the Nation of Islam was involved in, in him throwing that fight, for whatever reason, financial gain, they wanted to propel Cassius Clay to the upper echelons of whatever to be a spokesman, whatever the case was, they knew his only soft spot, and that was his wife. That yeah. was literally yeah. all the dude had. And the only thing, the thing I could think of is maybe the mob was like, hmm, we've seen something in this kid, you know, this, this young upstart, you know, we well, like him the better. They than, would have you know, to... Sunny. Well, the Nation of Islam is still going to fight for, yeah, you know, the young Muhammad Ali because he's because basically he, their what? I, spokesperson. I don't want to say spokesperson; that is the a bad word, but you know, well, no, kind, kind of the of face is, of the organization. You know? I mean, yeah, kind well, of. Yeah, real, though, he really at, is. At that point in time, but, I mean, both a organizations young, are almost the same thing. Yeah, you know, absolutely, dude. And but, Cassius Clay. Muhammad Ali, whatever you prefer to call him, like he's an up and comer. He's young. He's black. He's strong. He's mouthy. He's flashy, and he can back it up in the fucking ring. Yep. And I, but he's you know, a money maker though. What so that's why and the mob he's a money like maker. It. Yep. And he's so a that's why the mob would be like, but okay, cool. You have to think you know. about it like this though. The mob would actually have to try to bully the no, no, nation no, of Islam out to. of the way. They don't to take necessarily him. have to. It's just they're. They're like, okay, you know, hey, we're not going to say anything. We're not going to do all this stuff because we can make money off of this guy. We don't want to have to have hands on. No, yeah, we, we just have to. We just have off. to have a word yeah. that he's going to yeah. win, and we can all just put money on Muhammad Ali, and everybody's Fair. happy. Exactly. But at the same time, this is the exact reason why Malcolm X kind of condemned towards the end the Nation of Islam. You know what I mean? And kind of got killed by him. Yeah, because he, he kind of saw where the organization was going. Yeah, like the exactly. exactly. And this is pre Muhammad Ali. You know, it's well, I mean, not pre, but you no. know what I mean. Yeah, but, because yeah. Muhammad and uh, Malcolm were actually like friends. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And Malcolm didn't like the way Muhammad was going. Yeah, with the whole organization. Yes. Yes, it was a actually it was a was, sticky situation. <laughs> he actually went there. Yeah, yeah, because he actually went to Manila with him. If I'm not yeah. mistaken. Oh yeah, Thrilla in Manila, yeah, dude. For the yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, which is which is probably like you know more famous fight than you know the rope a dope. You know, more oh, famous yeah. fight than any, you know, Rumble, anything else. Where he fucking leans into the second row and he's like, yeah, keep swinging. <laughs> yeah. The rumble in the jungle is like it for me, Foreman. man. Yeah, that was the one in, uh, fuck, that was in, uh, oh my God. That was the one in Africa. I can't remember where the hell it yeah. was, isn't it? Yeah. <sighs> Balls. Hold I can't it, remember man. where it was. <laughs> I know I'm trying to think it's of it too. Not, the country's probably got a different fucking name by now anyway. I mean uh yeah, uh, dude. It was uh hold up, I like, got you. Like Eastern Africa, I think too. Yeah, it was uh Kinshasa. 
Zaire. Sasha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How do you pronounce it? Zaire. DRC. Zaire. Z A I R E. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, Muhammad all, all Ali like and, the names. Yeah. Were, it was Ali and Foreman. Things that got changed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not good uh, with yeah. African names. I'm not even good with Spanish names, to be no. honest. <laughs> but yeah, so we're uh, we're gonna record again next week, and uh, we're gonna finish up this little mini series with Son- of Sonny Liston um, with his death, um, and that is very very interesting. Yeah, uh, it really is. Yeah, but I'll just yeah. say like not to give anything away. I just don't see Sonny Liston as a drug addict. That's all I'm. No, no, especially it. when you're he, he was afraid of you know, well. Yep. When, when they took fluid uh, out of his yep. shoulder, they had to knock him out first. So, yeah. Yep. Kind of um, weird. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, why don't you uh, go ahead and plug your uh, plug your stuff, and we'll, uh, we'll finish this bad boy off. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, Mysterious Circumstances, just type it in anywhere on social media. You can find it there. Um, you can follow me on the Twitter at podcast MC Instagram is mysterious underscore podcast. Obviously I got other podcasts and stuff too. Blood and dust is back, which is wild west true crime outlaws, you know, gunslingers, lawmen, all that good shit. We just got done doing a two part series on uh, butch Cassidy. Um, We got other good episodes coming up here. Pretty good. And we actually dive into, you know, his, whether he lived or died, personally not enough evidence to convince me he fucking died especially when the pinkertons were still looking for him years and years after that pinkertons are a shit organization though those guys are just as bad as the fucking guys they were chasing they absolutely were but they were also funded from outside so they're not going to waste resources on funding on something they're not sure of and they fucking after bolivia the bolivian shootout where butch cassidy supposedly died where they dug up his grave and the dna didn't match I'm just saying, <laughs> Whoops. you know, <laughs> just saying, but no, um, yeah, blood and dust. We're on Instagram. We're not on Twitter. Actually, ironically enough, somebody, uh, took blood and dust as a fucking name on Twitter and it's, it's not us. So we should, go find, we should find him and beat his ass. I fucking wish dude. <laughs> but now other than that, yeah. from Illinois or something, anyway. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, you know, just, you know, anywhere on social media, just, you can plug it in and check out some episodes. I cover a lot of different, like that's why I always like dark windows because they do the same thing as me. They cover a wide variety of, of topics and genres and just basically whatever interests them. And that's, that's what I do too. So yeah. and on, honestly, if, if you are not familiar with Justin's show and you're listening to us, first of all, how dare you? <laughs> uh, second of all, personally, I'm going to direct you to doc holiday. Oh, that's good. Uh, one. Wyatt Earp. <laughs> yeah, and probably most importantly, uh, in my opinion, your like your fucking masterpiece, your life's work is the John Dillinger series. Mother, dude, yeah, fucker. <laughs> that was like, my life's work. I put a lot of fucking work into that one, man. That one actually like, almost almost fucking nabbed me a History Channel spot for a documentary, but. You, when you know exhumation. more about that motherfucker than his family does. Like, yeah, you know John the, Dillinger when, yeah, better than exhumation. John Dillinger did. Oh, well, I fucking, I know a lot of his movements. I mean, <laughs> so, 
I, it's just uh, being from Indiana, it's easy to latch on to uh, like a hometown folk folk legend. And once you know his history, I mean, he was a farm boy, even though he did. He got a raw deal a lot of times. And there's just a lot more hell to of a baseball player to realize. So amazing baseball, hell player, of a baseball yeah. player. Yeah, he was if he would have stayed uh, out of prison, probably probably could have gone pro. In, in baseball, he was he was getting scouted by a lot of major league teams. So, you know, it's what it is. Yeah, that's. Guess. But oh, well, hey, shit. I suppose. <laughs> We've been like recording for fucking nine hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Well, yeah, it's all good. Well, you can uh, you can also uh, you can find us find us on Instagram, uh, we're and Twitter dark, and Twitter, uh, Dark Windows Pod. Uh, you let's see. You can go over to ageofradio.org and you can listen to every episode of this shit we've ever recorded, and you can listen to every episode of Justin's show that he's done too, because they upload all that stuff right to the website. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Let's see what else. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and you can find us everywhere that you can download a podcast. Yeah, where all fine podcasts are sold. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. <laughs> so I, I I gotta ask you, man, what did you think of the opening of that last episode that we did? The opening, of it, the opening of it, yeah, where you were giving your little disclaimer, disclaimer, where it came in with that weird little fucking sci-fi bullshit. Oh yeah, I fucking yeah, because I was sitting okay. there and I, I was uh listening to it. I believe the second part. Um, I was listening to a little bit of it at work, so I was like walking in it, like right. in it away. But I, I fucking heard it, and I was like, "What the fuck they're doing here?" I see what you're doing here. You're feeding into my X Files fucking fascination right now. That's cool. I get and I was it. like, you know what? I was like, I'm gonna play around. Like, I found theremin music, and I'm like, oh shit. Yep. Oh no, it's gonna be like 1950s like sci-fi radio shit. This is gonna be a hoot. <laughs> yeah. You know, because Kevin no, it was, Kevin it was, fucking raked me over the coals. He's like, oh, we're ending the show. I'm like, no, motherfucker, we're ending this part of it. <laughs> that was a good two-part episode, though. I like this. I did like the second part better. Though, yeah. just because I I liked when you where, guys started getting into all the weird cases and shit like that, the shit where you actually have proof of because my like my bo- yeah. yeah and yeah and my uh my son we were listening to part two on the way home when I was picking him up yesterday and he's like who leaves a twenty month old baby by themselves for five minutes and I'm like he's right? like that's just that's just a, a disgusting dad and I'm like. First of all, yeah. bud, it was 1937. Nobody fucking cared. Okay. Like, yeah. you know, that was back in the day. Like, nobody gave a yeah. fuck. They had cloth diapers, dude. <laughs> you know? Shit, dude. I used to get my dad used to send me into the store. Like, he'd sit in the truck and I'd go in and come back out with his fucking cigarettes. Like, that was in the 90s. Yeah. They didn't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, dude. Nobody yeah. gave a fuck, dude. <laughs> fucking 20 months old. Why don't you have a job yet? What the hell? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and just, you know, like, you know, we know the area. And, you know where all this took place, and it's just like, it's just I don't know, just odd with everything. Yeah. But you, but but you also, um, like going through these areas, you kind of um, you know, get like a vibe. It feels weird down there. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. It's like we we went down there. We got close to. Well, we kind of we overshot the entrance to where you drive in to walk up the mountain itself. Uh, we ended up on like the almost like the backside of it, like up on a dead end dirt road. And you get out of the car and like there's people out there camping and stuff, but it still feels not right. It's like it's it's just as weird. And plus it, when you go down to like 
so um down where the college is down past that so we have a I, the company i work for they have a, we have a customer out past that way and when they you know bennington triangle weird shit it's like really weird because you might have you, you'll have cell phone service but then all of a sudden like within like a foot maybe two you'll have nothing at all and it'll stay out hmm. but then all of a sudden like you'll go like you know just across the road and boom you go back to service hmm. but then you That's go weird. back across and you're like oh i have service now i didn't have that before so i mean it's just it's just weird no it's I definitely mean, weird yeah and, and then a lot of the, like the circumstances for like the the bodies how they found them you know mm-hmm. i'm like no because i had a i had kevin c on my um patreon talking about some of that shit when i uh interviewed you about the the triangle (laughs) some of the disappearances what i I forgot all about that holy shit (laughs) yeah i was like a year or something year and a half ago probably uh yeah they're just really really (laughs) like strange you know disappearances and then not only have them like localized. I mean, there's probably even more. That, yeah, you know, those are the only, those are just the ones we know about. Yeah, you know that's the oh, that's exactly the part yeah. where it gets real strange. You know, it's I don't know. Our state is so wild that who knows? Yeah, we don't have fucking people anybody have here. To, we got like there's nothing, we got yeah, there's nothing else going state, on. So you know. <laughs> So you you guys you guys have our entire population in one city, you know? <laughs> Almost, yeah. We got half of it. <laughs> so fuck like yeah, Fort Wayne's gotta, like about three hundred thousand. Like way over ours, you know? Yeah, Indy yeah. I think is like one point two or one point five million. Yeah, but here's the deal: like surrounding Fort Wayne, I mean, the town that I work in, that I lived in for quite a while, is eighteen hundred people. You know, so I mean, you still got tiny towns everywhere in Indiana, but yeah, it the, is what it is. What's fun is the uh, like area wise, the biggest town in our state has got one of the lowest populations. That's Chittenden, which is like we border, but hmm. like area wise, it's the biggest town in the country in the in the state. But it's got like I don't know, maybe a thousand people there, if that. If that. Interesting. I mean, that place is fucking wild. They're I lived there for a couple more. years, and I had some weird shit happen while we were there. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting. I mean, it's an interesting, like area, you know, as far as some stuff goes. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of uh, like we're gonna cover it at some point. There's a a family that you know for the cult is kind oh, of really? like, yeah. yeah, like they they were real big like with the whole like <clears throat> the spiritualism movement like yeah. first kicked off back in the late 1800s and they mm-hmm. weren't the only ones in Vermont too cuz there was actually another one so there was one in Chittenden and there was actually one in uh um in Rutland which is just like down the hill it's the next town yeah but of all of the like people that were involved in that whole movement they're one of the only ones that Harry Houdini couldn't fucking debunk oh so, no shit yeah because I knew there were a couple cases that he couldn't debunk, but I never really knew where. Yeah. yeah you guys should do, uh, that. should do that. Oh, we, oh, we are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For it's, sure. It's, it's uh, it's Halloween's coming. We've been, we've been, uh, yeah, we, yeah. 
then we've also got our our road trip when we hit Vermont because we already nice. knocked one of the big ones off with Bennington. So, well, we've <laughs> we've we've talked about a few from Vermont. So yeah. I mean, we had a lot of weird shit, but nothing nothing super cool. Like we don't fucking we don't have John Dillinger, but you know we got some. Well, interesting yeah, shit. <laughs> we don't have. Well, I tell you what, like right there. No. we're gonna be having a we're gonna possibly have a guy on talk about some Bigfoot stuff because um, he's we met him in uh. Uh, at the Sasquatch Festival, oh yeah, in Whitehall. Um, we got to set up a fucking table for that next year. <laughs> yeah, then we're we're gonna that, and we uh we actually uh, uh met some ladies that do uh paranormal stuff. So you know, eventually maybe we might you know hook up with them and actually do something. Yeah. You know, as far as uh, Kevin H, you mean hook up, hook up, like no. <laughs> Yeah. What, what's what's fucking funny though is like we're like we know more than walk away from the table and my wife grabs me by, by the arm and she goes okay so that's the female version of you two damn it they were <laughs> just fucking nerding out over ghosts and shit and i was like oh boy okay yeah, i see that <laughs> and and the, and the cool fucking thing was that night we went did a ghost thing and yeah. his wife was like the main attraction for the ghost yeah Oh, kept saying nice. you know her name kept saying her name did your wife even get into that shit or what yeah she she's she's into that um not to the extent that i am but you know yeah. um like well she'll sit down and watch paranormal shit all day long oh that's uh, cool and until about 10 o'clock at night and she's like can we watch something different oh, yeah. <laughs> bad dreams yeah. And, yeah. yeah yeah she'll sit there and watch fucking gray's anatomy while she's eating dinner watch people just spraying blood all over the place she's like oh whatever I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, it's the p- paranormal is kind of it's 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 fun, but you know, at the same time, it's like you're kind of like, okay, well, all right, well, you gotta prove it to me. I have to actually yeah. have proof. Oh yeah. That, oh yeah. You know? I, I a lot of the time I would rather just be like, I want to talk about some crazy fuck that did some weird shit, you know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's that's where I, you know, where I'm like you know, like I just got a, I got a book about fucking Charles Bronson in the mail the other day. And I'm like, that's going to happen. Ooh, at some nice. Point. Oh, nice. Oh, it fucking better, dude. Oh, God damn. Steve was a fucking maniac. And I <laughs> that got a dude Chuck was fucking insane. I got a book by a guy named Chuck Zito, who was a fucking uh, hell's angel that uh, like back during like the 70s and 80s, the, the club basically hired him out as a uh, as protection for people. So he was a. Uh, a bodyguard for like celebrities and shit like that. And then um if you you watch Sons of Anarchy? Oh yeah. Like the uh the later seasons with that guy, uh was it Frankie Diamonds, I think was his name. Mm-hmm. Like short little Italian looking guy with a big handlebar mustache. Oh yeah. That's that, that's him. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like fuck dude. <laughs> he had some wild fucking stories too. But oh I bet he fucking um, does, man. That's you know? badass though. It's like I think we might have to branch out and just do a badass you know podcast at some point because you know i've already got everything ready for it including a chance yeah. people yeah. and artwork exactly. and music and still waiting <laughs> we just gotta sit down and mm-hmm. do it yeah still, still waiting for it, waiting mm-hmm. for it. right <laughs> <laughs> i like that yeah mm-hmm. still waiting for <laughs> it. because left my own fucking devices i'm just gonna do a podcast by myself about pirates so there you go <laughs> <laughs> all right you fuckers i'm gonna get off here and call my kids right, before right. they go to bed and eat some yeah. mac and cheese Ah, food is good food is so with that being said we're gonna call it a night uh and we'll be back next week to finish this thing off so until then 
just just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you or you didn't take a stray you know don't don't try no don't Don't ruin it (laughs) (laughs) and thanks again to justin for coming on and that was my, know, I'm, thanks for having me on. Some fucking fantastic knowledge about boxing. So, <laughs> thanks for having me on, man. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man. We'll still talk to you next week. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. Have a good later. <laughs> Bye.